First off, I owe Mike Commodore and Mark Frazier an apology. Well, I mean, still don't tweet pictures. Okay. The but, la- but the <laughs> yes, last Mark show... Mark Frazier especially. The last show we did, which feels like it occurred sometime in the 1800s. Yeah, is this the last show? The, the, like, is the it, previous this, show. This feels like the previous show where we were like, boy, a lot's happened. Um, uh, this was before the Akima Lou, Bill Peters stuff. This is before Mitch Marner, Mike Babcock. Hours mm-hmm. before. People, people forget that. Like, the Mitch Marner, Mike Babcock stuff came out 45 minutes after we were done the show. And they're like, how could you say these things? And I was like, because we didn't know. And quite honestly, um, we were borderline at the time questioning Mike Commodore. Like, are you okay, dude? You okay? Well, like, you all right? You go tweeting these, you know, yeah. sort, sort of voyeuristic pictures of someone. Yes, we are, I think, at liberty of questioning what the hell's going on with you. But we all found out some things this week. And get ready, because you are in for a hell of a show. Yeah. Let's do this. Pizza presents S D P the Steve Dangle podcast with your host Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Let's go. So, uh, normally we start the show with who wore the crown, and we're going to yes because that is what we do. We will talk about Bill Peters. We will talk about Mike Babcock. We will talk about Mitch Marner, Akeem Alou, everybody. But first, we will do our duty. And we'll have a little lightness in this show because it's a pretty heavy show ahead. Sure. Um, let's talk about living generously, life treating you royally. The Leafs haven't played in a while. <laughs> yes. When did they play? Uh, Saturday. Saturday against the Avalanche. We haven't had a game since the last time we awarded a crown. And we're going to have one tonight and God knows what's going to happen. So here's the deal. You pour yourself a crown royal. You think about who wore the crown. Hmm. I want to. Because the game is tonight, and we haven't had a new game since. I want to predict who will wear the crown oh, after tonight's crown. game. Future crown. Future crown night. We've mm. done future crowns before. We have. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. I think this is a fit, fair setting. Right? We're going into Detroit. Detroit's a young, rebuilding team. The Leafs are now high-flying again, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be about puck control. It's going to be about playing keep away, essentially. I think that's the kind of hockey the Leafs are going to play. Just have the puck and hang on to the puck. Forever and ever, and I'm, I'm in. Give it a shot. This is You look at the schedule... This is as close to a gimme as you're going to get. You need these two points. So, who do you think, after tonight, wears the crown for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Steve Dang. Ooh, I'm going to throw it out and say John Tavares. Um, He's been sniffing. I think he's been playing well. uh, But we're still looking for that performance that really shows up on the score sheet. And I bet he pulls it off. I'm going to say El Capitano, John Tavares. He's going to bring those F-bombs from the dressing room onto the ice. Starting a moment. Yeah. Starting a what? A moment. A moment. That's what he starts from here. Uh, he's got the he's got the Ray Ferraro sort of. Uh, yeah. Went to the show in the snow. Well, and he's from the far off land of what is it? Oakville. Oakville. <laughs> we talk like that around here. We do. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say Morgan Riley. I was thinking about him. Mm. Stuff that tells me Morgan Riley. Mm. I think the last week mm. has been pretty tough. Mm. He was thanked directly by Mike Babcock in the statement. Interesting. He was asked about whether or not he had texted Mike Babcock, and he said, uh, "He said, what did he say? Less than a lot, but more than nothing. So he it sent him a text. Something like that, yeah. Which was an odd thing to say. Um, I think Morgan Riley is desperate, dying, hoping, praying to put this all behind at least him. Forget... Forget the Mitch Marner stuff. Even just the firing was dramatic enough. 
I think Morgan Riley just is a forward-thinking guy. This is what he wants, and I think he's going to be absolutely on fire tonight. And I think also Sheldon Keefe's style lends itself to what Morgan Riley is. Oh, yeah. You could say Morgan Riley's got his warts. Morgan Riley did score 70 points. Mm -hmm. Morgan Riley is sometimes a tire fire in his own zone, along with Cody CC. Let's not focus on that. No. Morgan Riley's play style is meant for the way Sheldon Keefe is going to play this team. Morgan Riley wears my crown tonight. That's a that's my guess. Producer Jesse. Just looking at some stats here. <laughs> ah, all right. Some interesting stats. Yeah. I'm on, uh, I'm on Hockey Reference, one of my favorite websites on earth. Very good. I'm looking at the uh, amount of players who have worn number 88 for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hmm. Mm. Do you know how long that list is? It's probably not very long. I think it's two names. <laughs> it is two names. Eric Lindros and William Nylander. Wow. Is William Nylander the greatest player to ever wear his number? Well, here's the question. For the Toronto Maple Eric Leafs. Eric Lindros wore it for 33-something games. I, I think, think it was yep. 33 games. And so what, it will, what we'll have to do is look at it at game 33 and go who had the most oh, goals, assists, and points. That's it. So Eric because Lindros. Because Willie's only worn it for what? 20-something games? Oh, that's yeah, a great yeah. point. That's oh. good. Interesting. I don't think... No, I don't think Nylander's outscored him yet. So I can give you the numbers right now. Eric Lindros played 33 games for the Leafs. He had 11 goals, 11 assists. 22 points. 43 penalty minutes. That's a lot for that amount of games. That's a lot. He was minus three, Did which is fight? the most important stat. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely William right. Nylander in 25 games, 8 goals, 11 assists. So he needs 3 goals in, what is that, 8 games to catch Eric Lindros in terms of points. Well, Jesse, how about in one game? Maybe tonight. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Why not tonight? Why not tonight? Catch Eric Lindros. Anyways, William Nylander is going to have the most solid game. It might not be the best game. It might not be the most flashy, hmm. might not score the most goals or get the most assists tonight, but he will have the most solid game out of any player on the ice. Wow. So many neutral zone takeaways. Oh, oh the neutral zone oh, takeaways. More than you can shake a stick at. Yeah. Yeah. Shake several sticks. A whole team full of sticks at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some would say a tree. Whoa. More than you could Made shake a, carbon a tree fiber. at. Yeah. Am I right? Is this podcast in the 50s? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Your mustache kind you of makes bet it your like bum it ticker it is. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I hope I don't have a bum ticker. <laughs> so that is who wore the crown for this episode. Brought to you as always as a, by our friends at Crownwell. Next time the puck drops, why not? Why not? Live generously and treat your Leafs crew to a Crownwell old-fashioned. I sure can't wait to watch hockey tonight, but uh, uh, but right now, mm. we're going to work our way backwards here. But We're going to work our way back to Sunday night, but we're going to start with the, the biggest news of the last two days in hockey, which is Bill Peters and Akeem Alou. It starts with this tweet. It's actually two tweets, and I have to bring them both up because, oh, there's three tweets. Sorry. The third so, tweet has two words. So we had heard the Mike Babcock story about Mitch Marner, the famous list. I'm sure you know it by now. We'll repeat it later. But Akeem Alou writes this. Not very surprising the things we're hearing about Babcock. <coughs> Excuse me. Apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Same sort of deal with his protege in YYC. Dropped the N-bomb several times toward me in the dressing room in my rookie year because he didn't like my choice of music. Yep. Now, he said, first one to admit that I rebelled, wouldn't you? And instead of remedying the situation, he wrote a letter to John McDonough, who I don't know, and Stan Bowman, who I do, 
uh, to have me sent down to the EA, sorry, ECHL. 20 years old, on pace for 20 goals in his first pro year with his with zero PPPK time, off to a great start in his pro career. Yeah, and it all checks out. All the numbers and everything check out. Um, Akimalu is a really, he's an interesting player in hockey lore sort of thing. And I always, I always had a negative uh, view of him just because of whispers, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that all actually stems from the, the Steve Downey incident in Windsor, not from any of this Bill Peters stuff. The Steve Downey incident, for anyone who doesn't yes. know, is... Go ahead. Well, uh, basically, Alou was a rookie with the Windsor Spitfires. I want to say he was 16. And Steve Downey, I think, was the captain of the Spitfires, and he was 19. I want to say this was before Downey was made captain of the Canadian World Junior Team, even. <laughs> Uh, and basically they wanted to like shove all the rookies naked into the team bus bathroom. Alou said, uh, absolutely not. And there's, uh, maybe you can still find the video on YouTube. I'm not sure. But no, I won't basically Downey fought him at a, at a practice. That's his own team. Mm-hmm. It's his captain, right? And the whispers I had heard, you know, because I think it's easy to spread false information or in this case, just a false vibe about a player when it doesn't work out, right? So, you know, Downey was in the wrong, this, that, and that. Well, but look, it didn't work out, mm-hmm. right? He played a handful of games in, in the NHL, but look, it didn't work out. It must be him. It must be something to do with him. And now, looking back, uh, and especially, you know, knowing what we know, just how incredibly toxic some of the environments uh, have been, what a nightmare this poor guy had to deal with before he even turned 21. Can I contextualize? So we're talking pre-Bill Peters here, okay? Yes. Yes. Let me read yes. from the Sportsnet Big Read article. This is an incredible, incredible read, uh, and I highly suggest that you read Gary Joyce's piece. It's called The Full Cost. And, and when it's is about it from? Akeem Alou. Uh, I don't know. I think it's recent. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I believe they just put it out. So... Just to give you a little background on Akimalu, he said he's the son of a Nigerian father and a Russian mother. He's born in Lagos, spent years of his youth in Kiev or Kiev, depending upon how you pronounce it, based on the uh, the uh, the impeachment hearings. Everybody says Kiev in the states, but in in Canada oh. we call it Kiev. Kiev. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ukraine. Before yep. moving to Toronto, uh, the family is on welfare for a time. He didn't speak English at first. He was a target of bullying, and he soon grew a head taller than the kids in his class. Um, <laughs> even then, though, he was bullied. Uh, when he started playing minor hockey, his parents bought him a pair of secondhand skates and a hockey bag full of well-used equipment for $50, and a team, the team always found ways to carpool him to the game or waive fees. Arenas became the safe place for him. Three weeks after the hazing incident that you mentioned, yes, a video showed up on the news, first in Windsor, then nationally, and soon a- thereafter on YouTube. A cameraman for a local television grabbing some footage at a Spitfires practice happened to catch a wild fight between Alou and veteran Steve Downey. Now, you have to remember, in the OHL, and this is, I'm, I'm going off script here. In the OHL, what is the age difference? So if you're a rookie in the OHL, how old are you? If you're a veteran in the OHL, how old are you? Most, the vast majority of cases, the youngest you can be is 16. Right. And there have been like half a dozen cases of 15-year-olds ever. They're Mm -hmm. called exceptional players. So 16, um, and the vast majority of the oldest players are 20. There is the rare case, I think Justin Brazo, where you can be as old as 21. Mm -hmm. 
And this is the problem with, uh, you know, the 15-year-olds playing in the league. Some would even argue 16-year-olds is you're talking about children playing men. Mm-hmm. Right. And Steve Downey is two years older than Akeem Alou. Mm-hmm. But it's two big years, right? Well, you think about the hmm. difference between a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old. Yeah. Like, and you, you don't think grade, it at the time. Grade 10 to grade 12. You, When you're in grade 10 and you look at a kid in grade 12, you're like, whoa. That that's, is a man. That is a grown-ass human. Yeah. And you don't know because you don't have that perspective. And just and then you're on the ice with this person. He's bullying you. It's a whole it's a whole different I, uh, So here's, Hang on. So I, yeah, let me ahead. keep going with this. Well, well I'm sorry. Well, a... No, I just remember I saw a fight. Um, in the schoolyard, I was, I don't know, grade four or something like that. And the fight was between two grade eights and just the sound, the sound they made when they, they hit the ground, like the earth shook, Uh (laughs) you know, and again, those, they were kids, right? Those are 14 year olds. But when you're in grade four, you're like, holy shit, it's like two bull elephants. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So a cameraman for a local television station, I know I've already read this, but I'm, I'm rereading it. Grabbing some footage at the Spitfires practice, happened to catch a wild fight between Alou and veteran Steve Downey, who happened to be a first-round pick of the Philadelphia Flyers. So not only is this guy a leader on the team, but he's a first-round pick, which in in OHL standards puts you in a different, untouchable area. No one really talks about that, but it's like, whoa, now he's a first-round pick, so he's a big deal. Mm -hmm. In the flip, sorry, in the clip, Alou swings wildly. Downey pulls off Alou's sweater and connects with a bunch of right hands. If you've seen the video, it's... Pretty rough, and I can remember watching it when I was a young man, and 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 being completely shocked that what occurred next occurred. Because I remember this story. I remember Akimalu, and I remember Steve Downey, and I remember when Steve Downey was in the NHL. I remember thinking, how could any team employ this guy after watching what the happened? Mm-hmm. See, that's interesting. But, I don't remember but, it vividly, but I, I remember, remember Alou being painted as the bad guy. Well, and this is where we're going. So in the clip, obviously, you see a fight. Okay, so you're oh, watching. Yeah, Jesse's. You keep going. Yeah. I, well, it's important. I need I need you guys to hear what's left. So you see the yeah. fight. Have a look at the fight. That's, that's it's insane. awful. It's a brutal fight. Yeah. What the video didn't capture, according to Gary Joyce, and I'm reading directly from this, was an incident earlier in practice. Yes. When Downey skated up to Alou and cross-checked him in the face, bloodying him and knocking out seven teeth. That's a lot of teeth, man. With the video everywhere, Alou spoke his piece with the media. He aired out the whole hazing incident, or at least most of it anyway. Notes taken by Windsor Windsor front office during the internal investigation at the time indicate he declined to name some of his teammates involved in the hazing. One note read, the coach and GM, Mo Mantha, asked if Steve Downey spat on the floor and asked Akeem to clean it up. Akeem said it was not Steve Downey, but another veteran uh, had done it, and he would not name names as he did not want a player sitting in the stands. Another question from owner Steve Riolo, and I hope I'm um, pronouncing that right, asked about any racial slurs. Akeem indicated not, but that guys have jokingly, and that's the way I take it, uh, they've called me the eight ball. I don't know what that means, but that's what they've called him. Now, Alou also held back from the media in Windsor and the police. The police asked his parents if he wanted to press charges against Downey, and because Alou was 16 at the time, it was his parents' call. But he told them he didn't want to go to court, and they acquiesced. Today, Mo Mantha says the league exerted pressure to keep the team out of court. OHL Commissioner David Branch says he doesn't recall the police being involved and that he would never stop a young person from going to the police. The league and the owners of the Spitfires went into spin control. For both parties, the optics were bad. The backstory, worse, and the fallout, swift, if curious. 
So here's where it's interesting. The league fined Riolo, who is the owner, $35,000. Mo Mantha was suspended and then later fired. The coach. Yeah, it's uh, coach and GM, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, all it says here is that he was the GM, but he could have been coach and GM. Okay, there's a lot of coach GMs in yeah, the coach OHL. Yeah, coach and GM. But, Sorry, he is yeah. the coach and okay. GM. So Mo Mantha suspended and then fired. The league suspended Downey for five games, and Alou was suspended for a game. For fighting? Yeah. It seems curious that Alou was sat down at all, but David Branch, again, commissioner of the OHL, says to his recollection, both suspensions stemmed from a fight and not from the hazing. When Alou returned to the lineup, he was booed by Downey's diehard fans in Windsor and shunned by some of his teammates. Subsequently, Downey was traded to Peterborough, then Alou to Sudbury. Riolo sold the team weeks later. Weeks later. He wanted wow. out of there. And, <laughs> and some fans took it as it was all his fault. And though you wonder why people don't come forward, right? Though his skating was high-end, he later posted the fastest time uh, of a one-lap by anybody at the CHL Prospects game. Alou did not get a sniff of Hockey Canada's under-18 team. In his NHL draft year, and this is Garrett Joyce, I managed to get a copy of the report NHL Central Scouting Services had on file for him. His grades were off the charts. Bottom line, by professional assessment, Alou was the junior ranks elite uh, was in the junior ranks elite in skating and puck skills and got full marks for his shot and toughness and he was six foot three and 215 pounds when he was 18. Says Mantha, all Akeem wanted to do was play in the NHL. He was a determined kid, a real warrior. He had a combination that should have spelled a spot in the in the top 20. This, however, wasn't the consensus opinion. One longtime NHL scout who followed Alou for a couple of years and seen him play a dozen or so times vouched for the very goods and excellence but also said he wasn't completely sold on him. He said he's an athlete, but the question was whether or not he was a player. Now, later on in the article... <laughs> okay. By yeah. the way, uh, when you said uh, they called him the eight ball, it's because it's the one black one. That's, uh, is but that he, what it is? He took, he took it jokingly, as he said in the article, but it's, you know, because you have yeah. one black ball in the, in the whole pool set. So that's, how, that's why they would call him the eight ball. I have Which is never, slightly racist. Never I have heard of yeah. Never heard of <laughs> I shouldn't say slightly. It is. It is. on his race. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there you go. For well, it's, it's like the, um, uh, the Subban story that broke, uh, I want to say it was last year, a couple years ago. Supposedly some of his former uh, Team Canada teammates called him Monday. And pe and I was like, what? Mm -hmm. Like I'd never heard that one. Dude. Does it keep going? Well, it does. Uh, essentially... It comes down to this and uh, what you need to know about this story, because I won't because, again, it's a long read. So it's a very, very long story. A lot of nuance. Akeem Alou was labeled as a problem. He said that Windsor police looked at him differently. We know his teammates froze him out. We know that Windsor fans booed him, booed him. Yeah. And if one team freezes you out, like the OHL is small, mm -hmm. right? It's 20 teams, I think, some odd. And like I've seen players talk amongst themselves and you know it's not like these guys don't have phones or email or msn whatever it was back then icq uh you know they'll tell you every bad thing or supposed bad thing ever so trading alu to a different team was never going to solve his problems and again 16 right that's right. A, that, that's a start so he tweets what he tweets and we've, we've already read the tweet about bill peters now i want you to imagine that it's sunday night Sorry, is it Monday night that this came out? Monday night. Why don't you no, 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 yes. Sunday. No, no, Sunday. Mo uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah Marlo was Sunday. Yes, yes, yes. Alou was Monday. It is mm -hmm. very so. difficult to keep straight. <laughs> so I want you to imagine it's Monday night. Steve's randomly doing ice surfing because 
uh, it was Monday this year. It broke in the middle of my surfing, yeah. <laughs> um, this tweet, this these, this these three tweets go out while the Flames are in the second period of their game. Yep. By the end of the second period, Brad Trilliving, who's Calgary's GM, conducts a press conference mid-game mm-hmm. and said, wow. the team takes this very seriously. We're doing an investigation. And to, our, to, to the point of where we're recording right now, the investigation is ongoing, at least as far as we know. They have a game tonight. He will not be on the bench. Right. Yes. Everyone thinks Bill Peters will be fired. It's possible that by the time you hear this, he will have been. It was already reported that he was. But we, Yes, it was. But we don't <laughs> have confirmation about that. Yes. Now, the next morning, TSN comes out with an article. And there's only a couple paragraphs that I really need to read to you right now. Um, I got to tell you, this... It's, it's after a while when you deal with stories all the time and they always talk about like newsroom humor I don't know if you know this or not but like they say police uh, they talk about um, uh, ambulance drivers people who work in you know fire protection they all have very dark senses of humor because they see the worst of the worst and it's the only way that they can really deal with it it's a defense mechanism yes yes and they, I and they find the same in newsrooms in t- television and radio newsrooms very very dark senses of humor and I'm, I don't work in a newsroom but I can tell you that you see a lot of tough stories every day yep. and it sometimes you become it's like it's like walking around your own house and somebody says hey it smells like dog in here you're like oh I didn't even notice you become <laughs> blind to it right it's like nose blind but it's like it's 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 emotion blind yes yes and this is one of this I can honestly tell you I haven't had a story affect me like this in years and I read this the next morning and here's what it said about Bill Peters about the incident from Akima Lou. We walked in before a morning pregame skate, and he said, Hey, Akeem, I'm sick of you playing that NS, that N shit, basically. Yeah. Alu told TSN, <laughs> you, you said one of them. With Peters referring to Alu's selection of hip-hop music, he said, I'm sick of hearing this N fucking other N in the ass stuff. I'm reading you this this way, by the way, because I want you to understand, and I want you to feel it. It's awkward, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You should feel uncomfortable. He then walked out like nothing ever happened, and you could hear a pin drop in the room. Everything went dead silent. I just sat down in my stall, and I didn't say a word. Now, the article continues and goes on, and he said he believes that it ruined his career before it even started. He was sent down to the ECHL. Two teammates, and this was, as soon as this came out, Pierre, Pierre Lebrun, like by noon, had two teammates from Rockford corroborating lose allegations against Bill Peters. And that's when it goes from Twitter to this, like, it it may go from, like, here's the thing. Uh, And teams love this. Plausible deniability. Well, that's just one guy's, that's one guy's claim. Right. Well, now this isn't one guy's claim. Frank Zaravelli did an amazing job with this article, and I suggest you read the whole thing. I'm not going to go through the whole thing with you right now. Pierre Lebrun then goes and finds a couple teammates that say, yeah, that 100% happened. Now, there's fallout. Now the Flames are full-blown holy shit mode. No, what Alou should have done is gone through the proper channels of the NHLPA. Well, yeah, oh, we're getting to that? Okay. Don't worry. Good. We're going there. Good. And for the first time, as you said, something's actually being done about this. Yeah. The fallout continues, though. This is the crazy part. This isn't the end. Oh, my God, no. Michael Jordan, or Mikhail Jordan. 
<laughs> yeah. The big check 23 on Twitter. Every time you see it, you're like, what? Yeah. Almost. Does he wear 23? Uh, yeah, I that's he amazing. Does. Yeah, which is <laughs> he better. Yeah, that right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. He, you, how how can he wear any other number? That's. Uh, I'll never forgive the Boston Bruins for not letting uh, what was it, Sean Hines wear 57. <laughs> they wouldn't let him. No, because then he'd be Hines 57. Like yeah, the but... ketchup. Yeah, why wouldn't they let him do that? Is that because it's a know. Pittsburgh ketchup? I had when I was a kid. I had this book of like hockey numbers, and obviously no one had 57. So uh, that's just that's the story silly. I remember. I know Bruins. Come Ooh. on. Um, so Michael Jordan, former defenseman for the Carolina Hurricanes, mm-hmm. never wish anything bad to the person, but you get what you deserve, Bill. After years of making it to the NHL, had experience with the worst coach ever by far, kicking me and punching other players in the head during games. And I'm gonna. It goes on. Hang on, let me pull it up. None of these guys link their tweets together, so I have to open each tweet separately. Yeah. Then pretending like nothing happened. Couldn't believe my eyes when it can happen in the best league. Happy that I don't have to go through that stuff anymore on a daily basics. He says, but basis. Yeah, and you know, heartbreaking yeah. for, you know, maybe a European guy. He thinks it's going to be a certain way. He works his way up to that level. You know, similar to a Lou, but obviously. And and would those expectations be unfair? It should have been a certain way. It's yes, it's supposed to be the best league. So, Rod Brindamore backed that up today, and I'm going to read directly from Greg Wyshynski. It's from two hours ago. Carolina coach Rod Brendamore confirmed that Calgary's coach Bill Peters assaulted two players while head coach of the Hurricanes. Former Carolina defenseman Michael Jordan, Mikhail Jordan excuse me, alleged that Peters kicked him and punched another player in the head during a game. The incident with Bill, it for sure happened, said Brendamore, an assistant under Peters. He praised for the, the team for the way they dealt with it. He said management handled it directly. We never heard of it again. We nos- never saw anything else about it. Ron Francis knew about this, by the way, and that was confirmed by Sarah Sivian and several, several other uh, Carolina uh, reporters. Uh, the owners at the time, who were the Carmanos family, who, if you remember, the father was being sued by the son, um, right. and oh. they were trying to sell the team at the same time, mm-hmm. they probably knew about it. Forgot about that little gem. Yeah. And so when you sum all of this up, the, the nail and the, the, the real thing that kills me on this. And it's not the nail. The nail's later. Is the point that's floating out there about how Calgary came to hire Bill Peters anyway. When they ask, when they asked Brad Treliving at the time, hey, did you interview anybody else for this job? He said, no, Bill was our guy. And they said, so why was Bill your guy? Well, I saw him at the World Hockey Championships. I saw what I needed to know. Come on. Come on. Like I'm you have, oh, you boy. have, and I'm gonna sorry. You have an NHL coach. You have an NHL job. I have to tell you something. At work here, my boss just hired a producer and promotions rep. Mm-hmm. She had to talk to twenty plus people because equal opportunity employment is something that Bell subscribes to. I know Rogers does as well. Many, I think most corporations have to in Canada. I think it's, I think it's a legal thing. You have to talk to people. You have to. You have to bring people in. These guys didn't do that. They had what they thought was their guy. They didn't do any background on him. They asked other hockey people about him. Hey, other hockey coach, Mike Babcock, what do you think? Hey, members of the hive mind. Right. It really isn't the real world, eh? Well, no. And and so if you say, well, I asked a few people about him. Well, you're not really going to get the measure of the guy if you ask a couple people and you haven't even checked in with anybody it's just, else. It's a league terrified of thinking outside of the box. And just terrified. What's sad about this 
And what I was, I, I have to tell you, I was really naive. Um, I didn't think this stuff could happen at an NHL level. I had no, three days ago, guys, I had no conception that a player could get kicked. I had no conception that a, a coach could walk in screaming, probably, no, unquestionably the worst word in the English language. Yep. Several times. Yep. And not, only, room. and not only could he keep his job, but continue to grow. Yeah. Continue to move up. Continue to not somehow have that story follow him around. And not, not just be a bad enough person to say it to Alou, like if Alou was the only person in the room. He said mm-hmm. it to the whole team. He right. was comfortable enough to say it to the whole team. And which, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, Alou was not even the only person of color on that team. Wow! Right? Wasn't that. wasn't there another? There was another player. I, don't know. I forget. I don't know. <laughs> ah, he came forward and he basically he joined the. <laughs> hey, I was coached by Bill Peters and he's an awful guy. Train. Um, he currently plays in the that Quebec league with all the fights. Shoot, I forget his name. Anyway, it's that's it's wild. Two it's, a sh- it's a shame that there's only 35 guys in the whole world who could coach an NHL team. Isn't that unreal? You but know, it's it's funny because that's not true. Exactly. No. <laughs> they no. just keep they just keep rotating these same guys. It's a shame. If you make your way into the rotation, you'll never be out. Right. And and beyond all of that, now that we've told this portion of the story, and I know we haven't hit everything. Mm-hmm. I know we haven't heard the dumbass Dustin Penner tweets. I know we haven't heard the stupid-ass Zach Boychuk tweets. Who fucking cares? Those guys are just trying to do... Zach Boychuk especially is just trying to get more followers on Twitter. You know that. Dustin Penner is a, is a goof, and that's the end of the story, so we'll leave it. Yeah. Not even important. When you hear this story for the first time... Which? Akimaloo. Okay. You hear this story for the first time. What is your initial reaction? And then you read the article the next morning. Tell me about, and I want to ask you both, what do you think? How do you feel? What goes through your head? Well, I felt terrible. I started to think about, I started immediately sort of putting the pieces together Mm -hmm. of like his whole early career. And I just, I felt horrible for the guy. And uh, I knew this was going to blow up. I knew it was obviously going to be a big deal. It is a big deal. Um, and I knew it was going to sort of start something that I think is probably necessary for the sport, which, it, you know, people started calling it like a day of reckoning sort of thing. And the overwhelming response I saw was good. Good. Funny like, that it's good from the players, too. Yeah, mm. like like a lot of... Yeah, Eddie Lack was another guy, and I want to say he had Bill Peters in Carolina, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was just... It's a, I've, are any of us surprised that this happened? Are any of us surprised? Yes and no. Yeah. For a game that promotes hockey is for everyone, for... Uh, for something being a sport that should be just what it is—a sport that's inclusive for everybody to play—you're mm-hmm. you're saddened that this sort of stuff happens, especially at the professional level. Yeah. You can promote anything you want, though. Right. You can present any face. Right. Right. It's but just you would you would have faith in a game that you're a fan of that when the face they're showing, there's some at least truth behind it. Mm. But. Uh, more and more evidence is coming out that it's not what it appears to be. That 
uh, there's so much more divide that goes on behind the scenes. That there's so much more bullying and abuse, and that it's really not a game for everyone. It's a game for a select few, and the people who seem to be in positions of power take advantage of that uh, to this extreme extent where they're abusing people either racially or with power or physically. And that's a shame. And in some cases, sexually, too. Not it, mm-hmm. in these, these particular cases, mm-hmm. but in but some stories cases, that ha- too. are coming out now that some people are reporting sexual abuse. Yeah. Well, and like, uh, you know, for a guy like Alou, who I think spent the majority of his career in North America, like the guys in the minors aren't making a ton. No. Uh, you know, and you might look at their salary and see 70 grand and go, well, it's more than me. Yeah. Well, you don't got to make it last. Right? Yeah. Like, like, like guys in the minors like, got to make it last. When they're 32, 33, they have to start looking at doing something else. Yeah. Right. Like, up until last year, Alou played for the ECHL's Orlando Solar Bears. I forget who they're affiliated with now. It's no longer the Leafs. Um, but, like, if he has any kind of fear that, you know, if, let's say he speaks out and then all of a sudden someone starts making life difficult for the Solar Bears, like, that wouldn't be difficult for someone in a position of power. And that goes for all his teammates too. You know, I the guys who come up, they don't want to screw up their gig. And the guys who never made it up are just worried about making a living. So let me let me read you what Eddie Lack had to say. Sure. So mm-hmm. somebody tweeted him and that tweet has since been deleted, but essentially Eddie Lack said, "Honestly, everybody thinks that I hated Bill Peter after he went on TV and talked about me, but he didn't do anything to me personally. I've seen stuff like this." But it's up to the abused if he wants to share the story or not. Now, somebody retweeted him and said, hey, if you see something, say something. It's an excellent model. Saying something can be many things. Speaking out, if you personally witnessed, and you can exclude names, but send a message that you're there to back someone up. You've been a delight uh, in the NHL. Uh, I'm sure you're a good ally as well. And Eddie Lack responded and said, thank you. I think I've just confirmed that these things are true. Like, I just confirmed them for you. Maybe I should have spoke up something sooner uh, but it's tough to speak up while you're playing. Yeah. Most guys that speak up never get a job again. Yep. It's so much easier said than done. Alou spoke up for not getting naked and getting into a bathroom. Yeah. And he got beaten up and ostracized for it. Well, let me let me tell you about two things that I find very similar with Mitch Marner and, and Akeem Alou. Only on this one point. Okay. And very different situations, obviously. Granted, of please course. don't take me out of context. Of for God's sakes. Akeem Alou is speaking up. He's still trying to find a job in the AHL this year. He's yeah. 29 years old. He's still trying to find a gig. He's in the prime of his life. He's in Toronto if right Akeem now. If Akeem Alou yeah. is, is employed by a team right now, do you guys think he tweets that? I don't think so. I don't think so either. No. No. I don't think so either. And that doesn't make him a coward. No, of co- no that's no, not I, what I'm, I'm suggesting. I'm not saying that's what you're saying. But what I'm, I'm saying... saying is Akeem Alou, because he's not on a team... First off, he has much to lose because there might be teams who go, well, like like what we've seen with Colin Kaepernick, well, he might cause trouble. I don't want to I don't want to hire a guy who might cause trouble. But because he's not with the team, he's got that freedom to go out and do that and not be a distraction to his teammates. Mm-hmm. Just like Mitch Marner had the freedom to come out and say, yeah, Mike Babcock pulled what he pulled, and we'll get into that. Yep. Mike Babcock's gone, so he now no now no longer a, now no longer a distraction. These guys are worried about being a distraction, and what's happening is, and we talk about the players running the dressing rooms. You forget, guys, that 
you know, you might have two or three players on every team that are basically untouchable in terms of talent. No matter what team, no matter where, they are NHL players all day, every day, amazing, high-performing. No matter what. And then there's everybody else. And everybody else has their career basically in the hands of coach, general manager, maybe team president as well. Mm -hmm. And those guys, you can understand how they maybe wouldn't want to be a distraction. They've worked their whole lives to get here. They probably don't have any other set of skills that's even going to pay them, well, who knows? But nothing close to what they're making now. You know, you know league men in the NHL, say it's 750 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Who, what else is going to pay you $750,000 a year? What else can you do when all you've done since you were nine years old is, is every day of the week you're in a hockey rink? Yeah, no, you, all you have is a high school education. Yes, yeah. Yeah. if that. Yeah. And you get the hockey high school education, mm-hmm. which is the same as the football high school education, which is the same as the baseball yeah. high school no, education. No, the, the OHL equivalent <clears throat> is is, uh, is super, super duper good. And super, yeah, just yeah. Stop. I have to tell you. There's no way if my kid was ever if I if I had a kid that was gonna that was threatening to be that good to be in the OHL I'd be like you're going to the NCAA yeah you're going to yeah, you're not ju- going to the junior OHL. A and then we'll see mm-hmm. yeah the, it's it can be done yep oh of course it, it can. can be done and then I bust out the list of hey and here's all the <laughs> yeah because yeah. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's healthy um, I have a, I know uh, actually a family going through it right now is a separate thing and a lot of people have a very positive experience in the OHL I'm not discounting totally, that totally. but their concern is that their son who loves hockey is not going to focus on school and surprise surprise and he is by the way good enough to be and he will be in the OHL very soon um, or and or in the NCAA and, and just playing junior A or whatever on his own um, the the issue is they don't believe he's going to get a good education if he goes to the O. Because it's not the focus. Dude, they're right. They're right. Or it right? won't be as good. And yeah. so you've got a bunch of coaches through all levels. And you got to think about this all the way up. OHL, um, um, AHL, ECHL, uh, NHL. Where these coaches hold these players' careers in their hands. Everything mm-hmm. they have ever worked for. And it's hard for us to relate to that. Because very few of us have been singularly focused since we were six, seven, eight years old on one thing. Now, when did you decide, Jesse, that you wanted to go to Ryerson to do radio and television arts? Um, Probably in my last year of high school was when I discovered that Ryerson was an option that I wanted to do that. Did you always want to get into some sort of media or what were you thinking? Kind of. Actually, I wanted to, uh, not to do my whole life story, but I actually went to school to uh, be an audio engineer in a recording studio. Oh, but, yeah, that's yeah, I like, want to do. That's a cool gig, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I know a lot of friends who who do that. Yeah, yeah man. So I, I studied like music and that sort of stuff, and I originally wanted to do that, but then media, because at Ryerson you get all all the branches of media and music and video and all that stuff, and then I kind of went in this other direction that led me to this. The yeah. all all the I don't know if this was your experience, but uh-huh. I noticed all the audio students were the ones who had jobs either during or immediately coming out of school. Yeah, there were a lot of options for yeah. audio, but now... And I, then you chose radio. <laughs> no, smaller I'm, every year. I'm very happy I didn't go in that and direction. Sports. Because and sports. Radio. Good on you. Dude. Anybody who knows the music business knows that audio engineers are being slowly phased out because more and more kids who are like, 16 can just do all this stuff from the bedroom. Yeah. You know, they have a MacBook and Logic and a and a key and a MIDI keyboard and they're making the same music that can be played on the radio tomorrow and they can just produce a whole thing. So, I'm kind of happy I didn't go in that direction. 
There sure. you go. No, but I don't know what, what the, well, the original question this. was. No, well, the but, point, yes. there's a point to this. Steve. <laughs> who is singularly focused? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, sorry. What, at what age did you decide you wanted to go into radio and television arts? Uh, half an hour before applying. <laughs> when I was what did you, what, 17 What other things did you consider being, guys, when you yeah. were growing up? Uh, I thought about, like, journalism, um, you know, be, like, a reporter or something like that. Uh, I thought about, like... I don't know, man. That was that was the scary part about applying for university. I didn't really have much of a plan. Did you have yeah. anything else? When I was of... when I was ten, I thought I was going to play in the major leagues. Yeah. Well, you were because really I was I was player, one though. level below uh, OBA, which is the Ontario baseball level. I was playing AAA, and then I thought that's what I would do, and then just, this okay. doesn't happen because it's not a reality for ninety nine point nine percent of people on Earth. So, of all of us here, <laughs> you would be able to relate most to this, sure, to being singularly focused. Yeah, but I wasn't. That's the thing. I was too scatterbrained, and I like video games too much to ever <laughs> play and, professionally. And 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 I'll tell you this: like I I I knew, and I'll I've always said this. I knew when I was sitting on my mom's lap during a live broadcast. I think they were at Wonderland or something in the early '90s when uh, I was like four years old. I knew what I wanted to do, but it doesn't mean I was singularly focused on it. I didn't go to radio camp. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't train. <laughs> I didn't go to radio power power radio skating camp. All summer, and I didn't train with radio radio guys from the time I was five years old, six years old, seven years old. I didn't have to try out for radio team. But I, the idea is the same, in that you, from a young age, knew that you wanted to do this one thing. But I wasn't singularly focused on it like these guys. Oh, Jesse mm. Adam thought he was going to be a rock star. Yeah, well, that too. <laughs> thought I was gonna, thought yeah. a band was going to make it. I, I also had in backup. I was like, well, if the radio thing doesn't work, then maybe I'll go into fire. Like fire protection. Really? I was always really interested in that. Oh. Don't know why. Um, Burn down the houses that, that he's going to buy. Well, there stupid. you go. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> anybody, in fire, anybody in fire is him like, yeah, you suckers couldn't have made it. <laughs> You're right. But the, the point in asking that question is you get a few different answers from most people. You talk to NHL players. You talk to AHL players. Yeah. ECHL players. The show. That's all they've ever thought about so you imagine you are literally taking all the cards of your life and you're putting them on the table and you're revealing them to your coach and your coach takes them and says great now i hold them and i'll do what i want with them Mm -hmm. so bill peters is in a position along with most other coaches where he knows this and a lot of coaches it seems anyway are able to handle that kind of power a lot of coaches are able to take young minds mm-hmm. and mold them and do amazing things. They understand the gravity of their position. Right, exactly. They want to see these players succeed. Why? Because guess what? For me personally, if I'm your head coach and you guys succeed, I succeed too. Let's get let's get this going. But in certain instances, coaches forget or they just don't believe that that's the case. It's you're going to do what I say. And I enjoy being in this kind of power. I enjoy being untouchable. And that's the kind of thing, if you walk into a room and you say to Akima Lou, I'm tired of this N-word shit. This fucking N-word shit. Yeah. That's not about making the team better. That's not about making Akima Lou better. That's about saying, I got some power here. That's about <laughs> me saying, I own you guys. Because not only do I know that this story probably isn't going to get out, and by the way, it almost didn't. It took if Babcock's not years. fired, if Babcock isn't fired, does this story come out? No, no, no. no. If Nick Patan 
doesn't Scored shoot down. up oh my God, I've seen backhand that. across the wing. Then, <laughs> if the Leafs tie up against Vegas and Babcock doesn't somehow the, get fired. Yeah, that yeah. was a hard <laughs> laugh that I needed so bad. I can't remember who made that meme. Mary? Uh, oh my God. So funny. So the domino thing. If Jesus. Mike Babcock doesn't get fired... Because Nick Patan couldn't tie it up. It's funny that Nick Patan ended Mike Babcock's time in Toronto. True. I was sort of funny how, but also, dude was just like, I knew it. The puck was going wide. Yes, uh, that Mike Babcock lost yeah. his lost his job against Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Penguins ended Mike Babcock's yes. career in Toronto. But Mike Babcock doesn't get fired. Terry Koshan doesn't doesn't tweet that he'd re been relayed a story about uh, this list and a young player. Mm hmm. Ian Tullock doesn't say, well, I know who the player is, and I can finally back it up. It's uh -huh. Mitch Marner. Uh -huh. And then Akeem Luke comes out and says, hey, this Babcock guy, ah, it doesn't surprise me because one of his disciples did this. And, uh, and that's what I called Bill Peters' uh, last episode. Also, probably a good guy. <laughs> well, I said that because I, I felt like I was going hard on Bill Peters for weeks. I was like, this guy's not a good coach. Maybe he's not a good coach. His record doesn't suggest he's a good coach. And I'm like, but maybe he's a good guy. Turns out. Yeah, sorry. When a coach gets fired, I don't usually assume they're a bad uh, person. It's because they use racial slurs and beat the shit out of people. Right. Um, I just assume. Well, they didn't win a ton of games. Now I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know if you need us to tell you that 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 this is wrong. I don't know if you need to hear that. Hear us say that this is repugnant. I don't know if you need me to tell you that I was, and I mean this, devastated, reading that, and I messaged you guys and said that it mm -hmm. felt like. Um, Reading that that TSN piece, that especially those two paragraphs, were like it, for me anyway, and I don't know why. Uh, maybe because it's fucking awful. Uh, was maybe. like it's like been getting punched in the stomach a couple times. It was it made me want to vomit. And there's so so I mean I think that with us comes is that self evident. I think you would know that we would think that, but there are a few things, and I think rightly so, that I would like to address with regards to how this has been reacted to. Sure. So this is the first thing. The, there's a couple statements. The first one is, um, how come these stories, how come these stories about Bill and about Mike, Mike's admittedly a very separate situation, far less severe, how come they don't come out at the time? You know, reporters come out and they'll say, well, I heard stuff, but I, I really, I really, ah. this, this is one, uh, I'll just give you a little peek behind the curtain. There are a lot of stories where I do hear, oh, yeah, this was whispered about for a while. There were a lot of people blindsided by this. I think the Bill, I think the Bill Peters thing, I, I think people heard about the Mike Babcock stuff. I don't no. believe. No. Yeah, the Mitch that's, Marner well, one. A couple that's the one I was referring about, to. Well, a couple people heard about the Mike Babcock stuff. Ian Tolick yeah. obviously did. Of course. I was surprised right. to hear, like, like Ray Ferrar was connected, right? And he and, didn't hear and anything. And he goes on the radio, he goes, nope, never, never heard, heard of. a thing. Well, and I, that's also during the Lou years. And mm -hmm. Lou had that shit locked down. DJ Smith came out, That's said, true. never heard it. Yeah, the assistant coach didn't hear it. Yeah. And we'll talk about why yeah. that might be the case. Yeah. But people ask why why reporters don't report this stuff. Well, I don't believe in Akeem Alou's uh, case that there were reporters present. Remember, this is an OHL team, and this was a morning skate or something. And so no, there this were not was uh, Rockford in the AHL. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. And Which I think is even, even less. worse covered. Yeah. Yes. And in 2007, if unless a reporter witnesses it themselves, which oftentimes they won't, they can't come out with a story like this unless they have multiple people backing it up. 
corroboration. You have to have story. You have to have people willing to say yes. You can only go public with that stuff when you've got multiple people telling you the exact same story. You have got to be sure. What happened to Howard Berger when he didn't back up his sources? Remember that? Oh, friggin' he got sued by Sean Avery, didn't he? And forced to apologize. Yes. What was the story? Uh, the story was supposedly... Alleged. Alleged. And I'm not saying this is what happened, but this is allegedly what was thrown out there, is that Jason Blake, who was battling cancer at the time but still playing hockey, uh, Avery made a comment to him about that during warm-up, which then in turn caused Darcy Tucker to go ballistic. Right? Remember, does anyone remember that game? Leafs, Rangers? Mm-hmm. I don't think the Leafs were doing very well. I think some only people you would remember that. Yeah, I think Steve Dangle remembers and no one else. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. remember? Steve Dangle remembers. <laughs> I remember. Steve Dangle remembers. <laughs> no. I didn't even know Darcy Tucker and Jason Blake played on the same team. I didn't know they crossed eras. They did. Yes. They did, and I think he got out of the next year. But yes. And, and second to this, and this is something you probably will not have a lot of sympathy for. But I'm going to say it anyway. Ray Ferraro said it too. A lot of reporters, especially in the Mike Babcock case, if they have heard about this and they are a beat reporter, are probably not going to want to, are not going to be inclined to report a story like that. The reason for that is Mike Babcock is the big head coach. And this goes back to the power thing. Big head coach. Most expensive head coach in NHL history. Almost 700 wins at that point. Stanley Cup winner. Two-time gold medal winner. You come out and you report that and you're a beat reporter, you've just blown up your relationship with Mike Babcock and potentially the Toronto Maple Leafs forever. The team. The entire team. Yeah. And, and now let's say, you know, man, oh, so you, you should have come your, out. You're and putting s- your own job in jeopardy. You're like, yes, but you should. How about, how about this? We all know how uh, reasonable sports fans are. Uh, let's say the story does come out and it is a big enough deal that the Leafs decide they need to act upon it. And they fire him, and the Leafs have just won five straight or something, and they're in like first place. And then they go on to lose ten straight games. Now, as the reporter, you're the story. You're the story, and you're you're getting death threats. Oh yeah, you're getting death threats after loss four or three. You're getting you're getting death threats. Are you sure? Oh, they should still do it anyway. Okay, you go right ahead there, Galahad. It's not your life, is it? Right, it's easy for you to say. Super easy for you to say. And you know what? Say. If you get to that position, and that's the position you want to take, fill your boots. And yeah. wa- and wonderful. And how I, brave of you! It, I, it would still be a brave thing to do. One hundred percent. But I, I yeah. think getting on people's case for not doing it is naive and frankly lazy. Also, with all of these stories now coming out, we're seeing that the culture is to we keep these things under wraps. They stay in the dressing room. Bingo. Yeah. And you're Bingo. forced to go against that grain. Yeah. You're not calling the players cowards. No. Right? You understand. You want to, you know, access is a hell of a drug. I keep seeing people say, "Stop. Stop. You don't get it. It's not just about that." No, it isn't. Yeah, you don't get it. And in Akeem Malou's case, I don't believe media knew. I think this completely shocked everybody. I think this is something that really people did not know. Yeah, I'm referring to Mitch. Yeah, of uh, course. No, and I, I, I'm just trying to, I want to contextualize because we are now blending. We're going from, we're, we're obviously yeah. talking about Akeem Malou and we're going to continue to. But there's this other point. And a lot of guys won't talk in dressing rooms, no matter how bad a situation is. And this is the third reason why some reporters might have known or whatever. Um, for fear of being found out. So, like, 
like I said earlier, Mitch Marner was able to talk about the Mike Babcock situation when Mike Babcock left. Only because he was forced to. Only because he was forced to as well. I think if he had his way, he would have never been asked about it. However, he has come out and said, I would recommend you doing it. That is very interesting. And and people have talked about, like, was the story leaked or whatever? Uh, Let's say it was. Well, let's let's hold off on that. Yeah? Hold off on that. Because there's more to that that I want to go to. Okay. I Trust me on that one. No, I know. Because that plays into the whole Marner thing. I know your little breadcrumb scheme over there. Um, when a guy leaves, all bets are off. When a guy's not playing for a team anymore, all bets are off. Now I can talk. Mm-hmm. That's why, and they always say this in, um, in uh, just in interviews in general. If you're interviewing like an artist or an actress or actor or whatever, you want to get them as they're on the cusp of blowing up mm-hmm. or after they're famous. Because either way, they don't have a... The first time, it's like, I'll tell you anything because I need I need, a, I need the press. I'm trying to make it, yeah. The other side is, I, gotta, I, I don't have a bur- bridge to burn, man. Let's go. Let's chat. And, you know, for a Lou, uh, what year was that 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 happened? Was it 2000? A Lou? 2009, apparently. I think. Ten years ago, yeah. 2009. No, I'm talking about oh. the Windsor incident. Oh, that would have been... Oh five oh six, I think. It came the Downey one? Yeah, I, I don't have the I don't have that in front of me. Sorry. Okay. So anyway. Do you have it, Jesse? Uh, the... Scroll. And this is important for what, what I'm gonna say. Because the story obviously stays with the team. Mm-hmm. Like it stays fresh. Every player in that room knows it. Mm-hmm. Whoever comes in the room the next year, 2005, knows it. So 2005. Okay, so it was yeah. a little longer so ago 11. than I thought. Sorry, I, I was in grade 11. Yep, <laughs> as was I. Mm-hmm. I had stupid classmates though. Um, so <laughs> was Adam one of them? Yeah, great math class though. Um, <laughs> 2005. So that story stays in the Windsor dressing room, and like for at least several years after. And then I go, well, damn, Windsor. Won the Memorial Cup, like in 2009, and I'm trying to think of some of the players on that team. Oh, wow, yeah, a lot of those guys went on to play in the NHL. And then the next year, they had different guys, and they went on to play in the NHL, and they won the Memorial Cup. And all of a sudden, all these guys who have been told, either chose to tell or had been told a certain story, Mm -hmm. they're now in, like, it's it's, uh, it's like a virus Mm -hmm. that spreads, right, the story. Um, Even if... They're not doing it maliciously. People go, hey, you were with the Spitz. Did you, did you know about the... And they go, here's all I know. And they go and they tell the story. And now all of a sudden, almost every dressing room in North America has one story. And it's not his. It's not a lose. Right? It's, it's someone else's. And back to what's important about a lose story. Is that he was labeled as a troublemaker because he stood up for himself. Yeah. Because he wouldn't go along with the hazing. And because he had an identity. And because he would not fall in lockstep. And this brings up a a huge issue that is multi-tiered. And I don't think that we could fully tackle it here. But I do think when stuff like this comes out, and I saw this on Twitter a lot, and I think rightly so, how can you expect a game that is already rotting from its base? You know, it's it's (laughs) white Anglo vase, honestly. Mm -hmm. How can you expect to in, invite people in of any sort of different minority 
when they see stuff like this. How uh, can you expect that anybody would ever sign their children up as a responsible parent for this? Who would who would ever as a parent look at that and go, you know what? I'm willing to spend three, four, five thousand bucks on it, and I'm not discounting what great ninety. I would say maybe 95% of coaches, let's throw it out there, are great people. Mm -hmm. My best friend I met at hockey, his dad was our coach. Wonderful, wonderful family, wonderful man. Helped mold who I am. And Jeff O'Neill was talking about, like, I had hard coaches, but, like, they weren't bad people. No. But the problem is, when you're trying to attract people to your game, which you've already done a terrible job of, Mm -hmm. you've already done a horrendous job of, you've already done a great job of, alienating even those who would have normally played your game. When they see stuff like this, even though it may not be the norm, I don't know whether it is or not, I've never been a professional athlete, but it seems like it's more normal than we thought. Uh How do you ever, ever expect people to not only feel included in watching the game, but wanting to invest their time and their money and their effort and their children's lives in this game? I just don't see how you, I don't see how that's possible. Yeah, you, you triggered a memory there uh, when you were reading Gary Joyce's thing uh, about Alou not getting invited to Team Canada. Mm-hmm. There was a controversy a few years ago with another player of color, and that was Josh Hosang. And I've said on this show several times that, you know, someone reached out to me and was like, listen, I get where everyone's coming from. This isn't the guy. And now it's making me question everything I've ever been told or said about him. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this story. Along those lines, uh, when we were 18, 19 years old, Wayne Simmons uh, yeah, was playing, I believe the game was in London, forgive me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it was in London and it was a preseason game. Somebody threw a banana at him. Yep. Banana peel at him. No, we were older than 19. Yeah, no, I remember that story. I remember that. And he scored too. He scored too. <laughs> Motherfuckers. Yeah, he's, yeah, I remember that. You have to understand, even a story like that, how do you bring people into this? And we talked about this like a few weeks ago. I'm like, whenever something like this happens, there's like a six-person Rolodex Mm -hmm. that people call whenever something, I don't know. I guess bad happens to a black person in hockey. And I JT Brown, Oliver Killington. Yeah. uh, And I woke uh, up the next morning, Dave Amber's on the radio. And like all show, I've been, like, trying not to, like, be like, yeah. and Jesse comment. <laughs> like, because it's so yeah. unfair. Well, you, you said um, you said 95%, you would say, oh, if 95% of coaches are great. It's like, would you... I don't, and I don't know. Right, right. But let's assume, like, 95% of the time it's great. But you, okay, you have a room of 100 people, and you have your child who's, let's say, eight. Yeah. And you say, hey, you're going to walk into this room, and there's 100 people in this room. And five of them might say something racially charged at you. That's not an environment you want any kid to walk into. Even ninety nine percent is unacceptable. Five's a lot. Even one's a lot. <laughs> one's one a lot. is a lot, and yeah. it's <laughs> it's a shame because I don't I don't I don't know how many times like you can say it about the game, but it should be inclusive. It should be for everyone, and it just time and time again it proves that it's not. Um, I think it was last season, or whenever uh, Glenn Gulletson was coach of... When did he get fired from the uh, college? Uh, 20, 2018. Ago? 2018. Yeah. So on his staff was um, Paul 
Paul Gerard, and he was the only black NHL coach behind the bench at the I time. I didn't even know that. Yeah, he was okay. an assistant on, on Glenn Gullitson's staff at the time, and Donovan Bennett did a great big read, which you can still find on sportsnet.ca, about him. And then he got, he got let go, and he didn't get another job in the NHL. And, and now you look at around the league, and you look at just... You just look at the colors, and it's apparent who who dominates the game, and it doesn't look on the on the outside like an inviting environment. Well, and there's that famous picture from the balcony of the GM meetings, and it's it's like sixty white faces, <laughs> yeah, right. or whatever it is, and all men, and all and men. all men, yeah, for women or yeah. or people of color, and that's finally and- going to change next year mm-hmm. because I assume Seattle there will be one woman there at that table. Okay, yeah. we got one. You know what I mean? Oh, it's mm-hmm. got to start somewhere. It does have to start somewhere. But- yeah. It could have started 40 years ago. Holy but moly. Yeah. And, and, and then you take a look at instances like you go around the league and you think of who are the guys that have been labeled troublemakers in the last 10 years. You go down the list. It's PK. It's Josh Hosang. It's Evander Kane. And and it's just there's so much evidence <laughs> that it's just it's it's built for a certain group. And it's too many stories have come out that people aren't included in this game and it's a shame because there's so many people who are minorities who come to this country and see that this is this is what people in Canada get together and this is what they play and this is how communities bond like so many communities across the country that are small and this is this is their thing hockey is their thing and then if if a if a person who's a minority does any research about hockey they're like this isn't I'm not accepted in this game. This no. isn't he, this isn't my people. Here's a here's a I'm not I'm not you. Yeah. So you're a big baseball fan. Sure. What do they do for Jackie Robinson every year? Everybody wears number 42 right. on on Jackie Robinson. And day. in every stadium, what do you see? You see 42. 42. Jackie Robinson's name is up in every stadium. Yeah, his number's been retired league-wide, yeah. yeah. Baseball Gretzky. You got the Gretzky treatment. Baseball's <laughs> got its own issues. Well, I guess Gretzky got the Robinson treatment. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Baseball's got its own issues. But one thing they do celebrate mm-hmm. is that breaking of that color barrier. Let me compare and contrast that with the NHL, who just put Willie O'Ree in the Hall of Fame last year. Baseball, mm-hmm. by the way, uh, a sport that had two leagues. They had a Negro League just for African-American individuals, and eventually that that combined into baseball, what it is today, and they celebrate that every year. Yes. Yeah. They talk about it. Yeah. Let me ask you something. And this is something I was asked yesterday because a Carlton journalism journalism student reached out and said, hey, I'd like to do a story. I'm doing a piece on inclusivity and culture. And I said, well, you picked a hell of a day. (laughs) And uh, and he said to me, and I'm embarrassed by my answer here. So I'm just going to just pull. I'm just I'm going to tell you how it's an embarrassing answer. He said, how much do you know about. Racial minorities in hockey, meaning that how much do you know about the history of people of color or of different race that have played in the NHL? And I stopped for a moment because I know Willie O'Ree's story. Yeah. But beyond that, honestly, other than the guys that have been alive and in the league since I started, since I started watching, not a whole hell of a lot. And you, you know what the shame is? There is some dispute that Willie O'Ree broke the color barrier in mm-hmm. the NHL because there was an Asian player and right. I'm ashamed because for the life of me, I can't remember his name. 
This is the difference, though. And this is on all of us now. Yep. This yeah. one's on me. I'll I'll take I'll take blame for not knowing, but I think this is hockey is a culture now, and we need to start demanding this of the teams. We need this education. The MLB, I'm just mentioning them as an example, every year does tributes to Jackie Robinson mm-hmm. and the players that came after him. Every single year. Now, baseball doesn't really have a minority problem. Yeah. Right? And that's not to say there isn't. There was like, one. Like, oh, there's yeah. folks tons of and... issues with baseball. Oh, Let's yeah. not even get into that. <laughs> yep. But one thing they do right is they celebrate the fact that they pulled their head out of their ass eventually, or one guy. Uh, uh, what was his name? Dickie? What was the, uh, the owner's name? Uh, whatever. The baseball? The baseball. The oh, Dodgers owner. Branch Dickey, I believe his name was. Or sure. Branch Ricky or something. One guy pulled his head out of his ass and said, no, I'm doing this. And they, they moved forward. And In again, the NHL, someone had to be first. It was right. Branch Ricky. Yeah. Branch Ricky. Yeah, you got that right. At no point has the NHL ever done that. They never... and And... Okay, it could be Willie O'Ree, and it could be the the player. Can we look up the player's name so we can yeah. be respectful? I feel sure. bad, too. I don't know that story. I don't know that story. Do you see what a problem that is? Yeah. Is it fair to say that there hasn't been a a revolution of minorities playing hockey? Like, that just n- has never happened in the sport, so there's really nothing to celebrate? Because it's still not a yeah. game for yes. minorities? And isn't that the problem? Like, this was... Canada... In, in the 1970s, was majority white. Mm-hmm. Like, Toronto was like, what is it, 80% white or something at that point. And that's why Toronto whenever is, people say Toronto, I'm like, what are you saying? Toronto is... What are you saying? In, in Toronto, by the way, white people are now a minority as well. Mm-hmm. Less I, than I 50%. Yeah. And, and that happened 15 years ago. Oh. And, and so, what's happened is the game has stayed the same in terms of who's playing it. But the country's changed. Mm-hmm. And and the game has not involved people. And if you want to sit here and you want to tell me that that um, the NHL is not responsible for this, the NHL is not responsible for making people feel included, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. This is their business. How? When, when North America has changed so much, how has the NHL not done anything about this? And listen, I'm calling myself out on this one. Totally. I don't know enough. I don't know enough. They've done I don't a, even know where to start. They've done a terrible job growing the game because the game right now doesn't reflect the communities that are exist across Canada. Right. And I think his name was Larry Kwong. Is that who you're talking about? Yes. Yes. There Thank you. you. That's that's who it was. And his story is a little sad, too, if, I, if I'm remembering it. Uh, I think it's yeah, a lot sad. King I, Kwong is what they used to call him. I want to say he's in one of Ken Reed's books, and I can't remember which one. I remember Ken talking about him when he came on the show. I don't remember if it was One Night Only or Hockey Card Stories. Um, they said so, they gave him a minute on the ice. And that's all he got. And that's all he got for the Rangers. So, okay. Now you look at that and you go, well, that was the 50s and people were super racist. Then. Right. They, said, they say a lot of the reason he got on the ice was because, this is a quote, the, the fans like to see a Chinese player out of curiosity. That's my good luck. Jesus. Is, well, that, that was, was the in, 50s. That was in 1944. Okay. He, he told the Vancouver Sun. <laughs> oh, so he played in 1944. Yeah. He played in the middle of the Second World War. Mm-hmm. He was born in 1923. Right. Well, Japanese people were being interned in Canada and the United States. Yeah. Yep. Now let me let me just throw this at you. 
Okay, so we we've obviously we all have work to do. I have work to do. We all have work to do. Same. Always. Who's going to lead the charge on this one? Mm. And I'm not passing blame here. We all need to learn more. We all need to do more. But the NHL has got to take a step forward here and understand that these situations occur when you are in a position of power and there is not enough representation. If Let me ask you this. you think Bill Peters does that if half of his team is black? Uh, I don't know. He seemed arrogant enough that maybe he no, would No, no, but honestly, mm-hmm. do you really think Bill Peters, stout, fat little guy, walks through a <laughs> I, dressing room yeah. it, with 20 guys, you know, say there's 18 guys in there, they're all 20 years old, and they're in peak physical fitness. Half of them are white, half of them are black. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if you want to say thirds. Yeah. Third white, third brown, third black. Sure. I'm, <laughs> I, I think he still probably says it. You think so? I would, but the result I think is I, of your I think mind. But the result is different. I think chance. you're completely wrong. Yeah? I think there's a okay. test case in the NBA when Donald Sterling was the owner of the Clippers <sighs> mm. and the players got an owner out of the league. Yeah. That's yep. Yep, you're right. Yep. I think I think there's no chance that goes on in an NBA locker room, even not even close to anything like not that. Not even in the Z League. Not it would never no. happen. Would mm. never happen. And here's the thing, Bill I'm just, Peters. I'm trying to find out where it's where it's coming from. Like, it, to say it in front of the whole room took some sort of confidence that nothing was going to happen. So was that from a position of power or comfort? It's a position of power and comfort. Power gives you comfort. So I guess it was, yeah, well, there you go. Power it's, is the comfort. It's, it's crazy when you read the statement and you and you realize that he actually went in there and said that in front of a group of 20, 20 guys. Because yeah. his reaction like, this was, joke's going to kill. Because he was going to say, because like, he said... In his own mind, his own, because because everything you do, your mind goes. What are the ramifications of that? Mm-hmm. If I uh, well, if ideally. I eat, if I eat ten donuts, what are the ramifications of that? I definitely want to eat ten donuts. You'd feel real good. Oh yeah, I yeah. think you think more than I do. <laughs> That's what I'm gathering from this. I, bad what example. I, I think yeah. only good things happen if you. I eat 10 see. Donuts. I look at that and I go, I'm going to have the worst goddamn heartburn ever, <laughs> and I'm probably going to vomit later. Right? Maybe. Sure. Pro- that's how I would feel. Vomit but out the I other I definitely end. want the 10 donuts, but I'm not going to have the 10 donuts <laughs> because I know. Mm. Or the 40 pizzas in Papa John's case. Mm. Uh, <laughs> what, the, what on earth? <laughs> um, no wonder he's sweating. <laughs> Jesus, have a vegetable. <laughs> but you think about a top-down environment. And it starts from like the sport to the coaches to the owners to the players that have created an environment where a guy can walk into a dressing room and say that and walk out. And what mm-hmm. part of that is? Is lack of representation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You don't walk into yep. a room that's half black and half white and say something racially charged like that. Mm-hmm. Because he knew Akimalu was isolated. Mm. He knew that Akimalu was the only person who could come forward with that story and say, this is bullshit. Not only was I offended, but I was devastated by it. And, and if you read Akimalu's account, he just sat there in his stall and like stared at the ground. Because rookies aren't supposed to talk. You know what I mean? So... And this is this is what's so interesting. So Arash Madani, who by the way did an amazing job yesterday with I'm saying um, that's with, wrong by the way with Sid on uh, Tim and Sid. They, mm-hmm. Arash Madani's such a brilliant mind when it comes to sports, and he was so good and so eloquent about this. But he did tweet this out. <clears throat> he said Bill Peters has continued to be a Hockey Canada mainstay in international competition. Head coach under 18, 2008, before the alleged incident. 2016 World Championship head coach, assistant coach at the 2015 Worlds, head coach at the 2015 World Championship team, Hockey Canada, culture. And here's the interesting part, too. Let's let's go beyond Hockey Canada. 
Let's talk about the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Let's talk about the Carolina Hurricanes organization. Let's talk about the Detroit Red Wings organization. Let's talk about the Calgary Flames organization. I don't doubt that this would come as a shock to all. Maybe Chicago would might know might know about this. They seemed genuinely disturbed. So maybe they didn't know. However, Carolina continued to employ a man who had punched and kicked players. And and I don't know if you if I don't know if you guys own a business or not. <laughs> I do. And I could tell you if the person hired to manage my business is kicking my assets physically, he's gone. You don't kick assets. Those what that's what players are in a business sense. Those players are your assets. Uh, They're your most valuable quality. To make, quantity. To make it even simpler, you don't punch and kick people. I'll agree. <laughs> like, and don't. No, what if you own an air conditioner factory and you have an employee who is constantly kicking the air conditioners? That would be an issue. I would think that's an issue. Now imagine those air conditioners are people, and it's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I think we got there in the end. I think we got there in the end, but... No, you fire a guy. You fire a guy. Yeah. This is what this is what's mind blowing is you do fire the guy who's busting your air conditioners. Imagine, but you don't fire the guy them? that's kicking people. Can't Are emotionally you out of your mind? can't emotionally abuse an air conditioner though. Yes, right. It's uh... but, like that's what's so insane. And so here's what here's what I I flip and hate this. This there's this, there's this other idea that's been floating out there, guys. This idea about piling on with both both Mike Babcock and Bill Peters. I've heard people talk about. Yeah, well, you know, you're gonna hear a lot of piling on. So-and-so, now that people feel comfortable to talk about so-and-so. As though that is a bad thing. Yeah, I saw some people that, based on their tweets over several hours, I was like, I don't think you understand what you're saying. No. I had several people tweet me this. So one guy tweeted me, the piling on of Mike Babcock is unseemly. What does he mean by piling on? Oh, you mean they're telling the stories of what he did? This is not piling on, guys. This is resume building. Mm -hmm. These are actual actions that Bill Peters, in this case, took and that Mike Babcock did as well. These are things they've done sustained, especially in Bill Peters' case, for a long time. And because of the culture of fear around the NHL, only now does a player who is not even in the game feel comfortable to come out with this. And you notice, like I said, you notice how Mitch Marner's only now confirming the Babs story? That's because Babs can't bench him. That's because Babs can't sewer his career. And you know what? Actually, after Mitch signed that deal, he probably couldn't have done it anyway. He couldn't have benched them this year. But the, And again, you just signed your big deal. The season's beginning. You're struggling. Why would you say that story? Don't give me shit about this piling on nonsense. Bill Peters kicked people. Kicked people. Not NHL. Forget that they're NHL players. He kicked them. He mm -hmm. screened racial obscenities at a 20-year-old man. Mm -hmm. But at 20, I didn't feel much like a man. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't I didn't feel like I feel right now. He screamed like racial obscenities at a junior player. He did that. That was him. That is his resume. That is his legacy. You want to call it piling on? I call it his absolute his legacy, his stamp on the world. Yeah. It's it's crazy cuz you have the you have the people from both ends that are or that are saying, "Oh, 
why why didn't you report the Mike Babcock or a loose story when they came out? And then you have the people saying, why are you reporting it now? You're piling on. Yeah. So well, wh- which one do you well, want? Well, that's, that's how the cycle of abuse continues, though, right? Exactly. Is you're like, oh, don't pile on the guy. He's already had it bad enough. Why are we protecting Bill Peters? Exactly. This is not the time. I, I have lots of questions. He's been protected for 10 years. I have lots of questions in my head. It, it always helps when you try to answer them before you let them come tumbling out. I don't think either of those questions are, are completely without merit. But if you think on them for a sec, you might find the answer, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, Adam, it's, it's why are we trying to protect abusers? Another right. Why are we trying to keep these stories hidden? Why wouldn't they tell the story? Uh, let me, oh, well, okay, never mind. I could see why. Right. I yeah. could see why. And, yeah. and, and I, I find it hilarious that there are members of the media saying, hey, is it gutless that they're bringing this up about Mike Babcock now that he's gone? Is it gutless? No, it's a story, man. Yeah. This is what this man did. And like I said last episode, after I was too hard on Mike Commodore and Mike Frazier, and we'll get into this again, Mark Frazier. We're getting into Mike Babcock in just a second. I would think long and hard if I'm an NHL team. And I did say this last episode. I would think long and hard about employing a guy like Mike Babcock right now. Long and hard. I, I'm, I, maybe I'm just ignorant. Is hockey that... Is hockey rocket science? No. Is 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 it really is he so brilliant that it's worth the risk of bringing him in knowing all those other things and you know him could be babcock it could be peters like I, I are the, are either of them so freaking irreplaceable it's well, impossible Bill to Peters, me. absolutely not if you look at his record his teams have consistently underperformed with the exception of last year's flames the carolina hurricanes given they had bad goaltending for a while. But the Carolina Hurricanes consistently underperformed their talent for years. And that's not because they weren't great players. It was always, up. Oh, here come the Hurricanes. Nope. And they never came, and then Rod Ridenmore came to the helm, and all of a sudden they started and winning games. And Calgary was, some, for some reason, dying to get... And this is... We said it at the time. Why is Calgary dying, moving heaven and earth to get Bill Peters? Yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't a lar- I, uh, I have zero infi- inside info on this at all, but I I guess that a large part of it is because he's an Alberta boy, and like hometown kid, does- hometown dude knows Hockey Canada. Let's bring him in to Calgary. I'm nope. just guessing. I mean, I, people do care about that. They care so much more about winning. Well, they should. Go get the best coach. Mm-hmm. Well, well, and it, you mean fans, not necessarily organizations. You know yeah. what's scary about all this? Is that the Hockey Canada guys, that both of these guys are Hockey Canada guys, mm-hmm. the other guy who used to run it is running the Oilers. Yep. Who's this? Bob Nicholson. Oh. Mm. And there were other allegations leveled at Hockey Canada people from Dan Carcillo. Not corroborated, not reported on. I don't, I don't, I don't know... Um, I don't know that they're not true, but they're not. They're just not fleshed out, so we don't know. Yeah, it's easier when more people are in on it. Yes. Yeah. And and also, honestly, I'm not a journalist, so that's not my place to go and report on a story like that. Sure. But now, by now, and let's get into this because you know this Mike Babcock story by now. The you know the famous rate your teammate story, Mitch Marner. It's the Father's Day weekend trip, but I'm going to pull you in, and you're not working hard enough without the puck. So you wait. You rate your teammates based on work ethic, best to worst. Mitch Marner does this. 
And Mike, well, he that's refuses what, at first. That's what Mike Babcock told Mitch Marner. Yes, that's, the, that's he said. The I, I'm, I want because here's what I want you to know. I want you to do this because I want you to model yourself off the best guys. So you list for me on this team best to worst work ethic. And, and this is his rookie year, which is what year? 16, 17. Okay, 16. And Mitch Marner refused it. We, you could probably find when the father's trip was. Mm-hmm. Um, trying it does, it doesn't matter. Sexualize it all, but yeah, sure. Um, Marner put himself at the bottom of the list, and supposedly Babcock got heated. He's like, come on, tell me. And so he throws Nazem Kadri and Tyler Bozak at the bottom of the list. Tyler Bozak, his line mate. Yep, yep. Tyler Bozak, his line mate. Nazem Kadri... Well, actually, I was about to say Nazem Kadri probably the longest tenured Leaf at that time. Actually, it was probably Bozak. And Mike promptly goes into the dressing room and tells those two guys about it. That's, uh, that's wild. It's just wild. That is a, just a heads up, another thing. We talked about equal opportunity employment. We talked about doing your due diligence to find the right employee. Mm-hmm. That's a fireable offense at any office I've ever worked at. If that ever happened here, you'd be gone. You'd be gone. Or at very worst, be... Reprimanded. Or, or sorry, at very least. Yeah, what the fuck is wrong with you? So here's the thing, too. Lou knew about it. Brennan Shanahan knew about it. The veterans on the team knew about it. Mm-hmm. And they dealt with it. And Shani this week apparently went out and said that there wasn't much value in rehashing the past, that it was a mistake, and that, you know, that the organization... I think if Shanahan was put in a in this position again, he would have probably handled it differently. From his perspective, I can understand why he says there's not much value in rehashing the past. But Brendan Shanahan needs to understand, and he can forgive us for right now reacting like this. Mm-hmm. We have just found this out. It's like dating somebody for five years and finding out that three months in, they cheated on you. Mm-hmm. Huh. You can't erase all the good things that happened in the intervening years. Sure. But it still hurts like hell to find out, doesn't it? Yeah. And you'd probably have some questions. I would think so. It might make you, it might make you and trust You shouldn't begrudge tr- that person for asking a question. Yes. And the fact that this, and this is where I'm naive. I, 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 guys, on Sunday night, I legitimately <laughs> stood behind, whoa, what the heck is Mike Commissary, or Commodore, excuse me, not Commissary, Mike Commodore, like, Okay, so he was a tough coach and he didn't like you. That's all I thought it was. Man, like, I'll, <coughs> I'll, I'll stand by the fact that it is perfectly fine to say tweeting a picture of someone that they don't know about is a little bit weird. It's I, weird. I think you shouldn't sell t-shirts uh, that say pack your bag, pack your shit, Babs, and make money off that. Although, I, as a revenge tactic, now knowing what we know, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really blame him for sure. it. Sure, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't do it, but I don't blame him. It's now. a little different in context when you're like, yes! oh, he gets to make money off a dude who psychologically abused him and potentially like, cost him money. Sure, oh, as yeah. well. Sure, and like, in in terms of Mark Fraser, that was my confusion. Is he? So he steps up and he says those things. First of all, they were so thickly veiled that like I didn't know what to extract from them and also the trigger for it was commodore tweeting a picture of babcock mm-hmm. so that's where the confusion came from right mm-hmm. and i right? and i just said mike mark frazier i even said this i said who are you i didn't i'm like you didn't play for him apparently he did play one preseason game for him okay yeah. but like i wouldn't call that as a like a full season or whatever but it was yeah. like you got a, you got a sniff well yeah but what do you mean with this right yeah. now understanding the stories that mark frazier obviously heard which we did not know at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this makes sense. And here's the thing. Let's go back to Babcock for a second. I was, and again, call me naive for this, but I am. I was naive enough to think 
that a head coach of an NHL hockey team would do anything and everything to get that team to be better, win mm-hmm. more, and be more cohesive as a unit. I believe it. Yeah. That anything this childish, this Bush League, this cruel could happen in an NHL dr- dressing room, I could never have conceived of it. In fact, this tactic alone in my entire life, I could have gone my entire life, if I lived 80 years, I'd be lucky to live 80 years, I would never no. have even thought that doing something like this would be possible. I would never have thought about, well, you know, I'm going to have someone write down a list of the top and the and the bottom, and then I'm going to share it with these guys and think this is a good thing. I would expect it to be in a Tina Fey movie. Yeah, I've always, I think I'm on the same line as you, is that I've always thought pro sports was so much simpler. That these guys are just kind of X's and O's guys and they're motivators, but they're always just trying to win. Right. Not so- psychologically damage people. And I can understand Mike Babcock saying, you weren't good enough, you need to be better, even if it was unfair. Even if, even if that person was good enough and objectively the numbers said they were good enough and Mike Babcock didn't see it that way. I could see that. I can't see this. And I thought, because of that, that Mike Babcock was a tough coach. But what we didn't know was Mike Babcock was vicious. Well, and, and, and we brought up his, what, what is it, a psych degree? Yeah. What, what fucking class did you learn that one in there, Mike? <laughs> well, and, what? And, and so this is that, that's the crazy part. You're right. Why? Is it? How on earth? Who? Who with any level of expertise? And there's there's such a difference between knowledge and application. And I don't think he has the the latter. But in any action like this, would you not agree? Has a certain degree of not only a there's a devious nature to it because yes. Mike. This was premeditated. Mike knew. But and I looked this up. I was trying to find the right word to define it in my own head. And I said vicious earlier. And here's why I didn't say cruel. Because cruel is defined as causing pain or suffering, which he did do. Hmm. But the word vicious is defined as deliberately cruel or violent. So this it's is, worse. So, so you got cruel, yeah. and then you got vicious. Vicious above. This was deliberate. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what we're looking for here. Forget that he was trying to motivate a player, whatever he says his intentions were, or what his goals were. He deliberately was cruel to someone who had no power in that situation. Mitch Marner's a rookie. And remember, in Mitch Marner's sophomore year, he played some time on the fourth line. Yeah. And the point of the exercise, by the way, as long as we're going to examine it, was to motivate Marner to be less lazy. Right. Marner acknowledges... He views himself as the laziest player on the team. And rather than starting a conversation there, he's got to bring the vets into it. And then make, and then apparently, by all accounts, Mark, or sorry, Mitch Marner cried because he was so <laughs> devastated. And this is the guy. I would probably cry too as a 19 year old. Yeah. What, do you, what do you always say about Mitch Marner? Chugs a Mountain Dew and goes out and scores a goal, yeah. right? They brought him in on the road trip to try and motivate the guys because he's such a because little puppy Because Babs had them under his thumb so bad. Because Babs had them so pissed off. Yeah, was oh. he on the plane with Keith, just going, "Oh, this is amazing"? I don't know. Now don't here's know. The th- now apparently well, the vets. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I was, again, we're getting into stuff now that we cannot corroborate. Sure. But you yeah. see on Mitch's palm, he's got the smile. Oh. In the in the winky face, supposedly tattooed. No, no, he has it written on his glove. Oh, okay. Yeah, he does it, and I think Austin started doing it after him. Uh, supposedly, it's to remind him that hockey's supposed to be fun. Huh. That's what beautiful. I read on. That's it amazing. Is, I love be- that. It amazing. also makes me want to die a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, I read that. I don't know if it's true. It was, I mean, it was definitely the right day to read that, I guess, to invoke a certain emotion. 
But like it's it's believable now. To be deliberately cruel to someone in who has no power in that situation, you are the one of the winningest coaches all time. Mm-hmm. You have two gold medals in a Stanley Cup. You mm-hmm. coached Nick Lindstrom. You coached Pavel Datsuk. You coached Henrik Zetterberg. You coached Paul Korea. Austin Matthews. Well, yeah, but Austin Matthews was an no, Austin no. Man. James Reimer. Fuck yeah. Yeah, true, <laughs> Sorry, that too. <laughs> so Mitch is trying to be a star. Yes. And all he wants to do is be a star, and Mike Babcock takes advantage of him. It's a wonder that Mitch Marner is still as amped up to play hockey as he is. And suddenly the outrage about Jason Spezza finally fucking makes sense. Because when, when we were talking about that scratch story, I'm like, okay, Jason Spezza is supposed to be the fourth-line center. I don't <laughs> know it's a big deal that he's scratched. Now I know that Jason Spezza was not scratched because Jason Spezza is on a rotation. Uh-huh. Jason Spezza was scratched because Mike Babcock enjoyed being an asshole. Yeah. I Dude. Did that move that day? I was like, <laughs> so did I. I, I like. I was like, I like having a coach who doesn't care about this stuff. He's just doing it because he's trying to win. But now it just seems he's doing it because he's trying to be cruel. Well, in yes. essence, in essence, I got it. It sh- it shouldn't matter which game. Right. Uh, the tie goes to the veteran that w- that we wanted him to drop, and then he does this, and I'm like, well, I guess he dropped it. So but, I guess that's okay. But now. We're a quarter of the way through the season, and bless Nick Shore and his skill set, mm-hmm. but I know which one I'd rather have. And in and in the the defense of the Tigers, a veteran, and he's trying to win, all that stuff. You you forget the fact that at the end of the day, all these professional sports are just entertainment. Yeah, and that a guy playing in front of his home crowd, it's a story. It means more than winning the game, probably, and because then, it's just it's supposed to be for the fans, and, and it it's goes, supposed to be fun. And it goes full circle in Keith's second game. He let Shore play in his hometown of Colorado, and he scores. There you go. Yeah, and like <laughs> in hot and hockey, I think pro sports are so much about mood. Imagine Spezza scores in the home opener against oh. the Sens in Toronto. Come on, yeah, and, and could be Mike- a Babs might still have his job. Seriously, if if Mike is, such I'm that a, tinfoil hat about this. He might seriously still have his job. If no. Mike is really such Mark a great hockey mind, all you have to do is watch Spezza play and watch Shore play, yeah. and know who the better player is. Well, and Spezza bursting into laughter when Engvall scored his shorthanded goal, bursting into laughter on the bench. It was so good. Andreas Janssen got a front row seat um, to the Barry goal and the um, Engvall goal. And you see immediately, he knows who to look at. Mm-hmm. He knows, and for Barry, he looks straight at Austin, who was loving it. Easily the most Jack person on the bench. He had a knack for on both goals, looking at the most excited person on the bench both times. <laughs> he did, and that to me was very telling. It was very interesting. But this is what Mike Babcock did. <laughs> he did this for years. And we didn't know this. And this is the best part. You know, we think, and we harbor under the assumption here that a head coach, and I said this before, wants to do what's best for the team. Wants them to work as a closer unit. Wants to get them closer to winning a Stanley Cup. Wants to make Toronto a safe place to play. Yeah. He sure did talk a lot about mental health, didn't he? Mm Mm-hmm. And because he does this, we think, well, that must be what's best for the team in Mike's mind. You cannot now look at that the same way. You cannot now. No. And 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 this is this is where I feel bad about what I said to you know Mark Fraser, Mike Commodore. I was ignorant. I didn't know. And then you have well, Co- I- Carlo Koliakovo coming out and saying that in Detroit every year the veterans went to Ken Holland and said, "Please get rid of this coach." 
every year. And then supposedly there were tweets like praising him as well. And some people were going, well, why'd you say this then? What do you mean? What do you, what do you mean? Like Koliakovo praised Babcock. And At the time or something? Or previously? Like just previously. Oh, okay. and, and everyone's like, well, now you have all these things to say. God, there's so many layers. We're going to uh-huh. get yelled at for not talking about a bunch of things. And the, yeah, we're going to miss stuff. The fact yeah. of the matter is there's too much. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and that's just the stuff we know about. And then there's so much stuff yeah. we missed. But going with your comments, like everything that happened post-Sunday through now clouds everything that's happened in the history. So everything Since that's happened in the past. Well, is, you have to look at it through a right. different lens. So it's, it's not the same. Like, Other than what, pain's coming. What happens Sunday morning, like you're feeling Sunday morning, is completely different than your feelings now because there's just so much more information. It changes the mm-hmm. past because now we know what was going on. I was I was a little annoyed at the revisionist. Like, well, you said this. I'm like, well, yeah, well, we said that. We, because that's what we, we need to revise. How, yeah. how did we know? We didn't know. <laughs> we didn't, didn't know. know. Oh, you knew the Mitch Marner story? Oh, Okay. <laughs> And here's the yeah. thing. Why'd you get that answer wrong in the exam? I fucking missed the class. <laughs> <laughs> like what? No, the class was never held. The class yeah. never happened. Yes. <laughs> this is what they didn't teach they us. The this. Class? Yeah. What are you talking about? That argument's so bad. I, uh, like, yeah, you right. need to revise history. Oh, I burned him. This is what I'm talking about. Remember a couple episodes I mentioned like, oh, I burned the president on Twitter. I win. <laughs> Fuck yeah. off. No, you didn't. Uh, He's still the fucking president, man. Well, you, whether you like it or not. Oh, I got a good Twitter burn and I got a few retweets. Which sucks. <laughs> but, now, yeah, <laughs> and I used to do that too. I call myself on that. I want to read an opinion though that I disagree with 150%, but I think it's important mm-hmm. because I believe that a other opinions are important, and I believe a lot of people believe this. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to tell you who. Oh. Because if I tell you who, time. then it will color you. Okay. Mitch Marner hated playing for Babcock so much that he put up 94 points last year and got a $65 million contract out of it. I know exactly who tweeted that <laughs> shit. Obviously. I know exactly who tweeted that If he that had a coach shit. who was nicer to him, he would have put up more points and made more money. Poor guy. I know exactly who tweeted that goofy shit. Can you read it one more time? Mitch Marner hated playing for Babcock so much, he put up 94 points last year and got a $65 million contract out of it. Obviously, if he had had a head coach Obviously. who was nicer to him, he would have put up more points and made more money. Poor guy. Obviously. I love this. <laughs> obviously. Now, Shut up. Before we talk about who that is, because not everybody's going to know. I've seen that a lot, and I've seen that worded in different ways, but that was the most succinct version of it. Guys, if you believe that, then you don't believe. So what, 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 that, that, what that tweet doesn't say is Mike Babcock had to be hard on Mitch Marner for Mitch Marner to be a star. And I got to tell you something, Mitch Marner, you could have had no coach on the bench. Mitch Marner was yeah. going to be a star. I mean, no, Mitch- he's right. That's the problem. The reason the Leafs keep losing to Boston is Bruce Cassidy psychologically abuses his players better. If Whoa. only, you know what? This is on Babs. He does. He, what the fuck are you talking about? He, Shut up. He didn't Sigmund Freud in reverse brain yeah. him enough. He didn't abuse people. And and that's and this is so I so that person, I tweeted them back and I'm like I said, so what are you trying to say here? And you got insta blocked, I bet. No, no, he didn't block me. No. He I probably got muted, but I, I I wasn't mean about it. I said, what are you trying to say here? Because essentially what I'm getting is so you're saying his his talent and accomplishments, despite an objectively cruel act by a designated leader, are due to Mike Babcock being objectively wrong. Mm-hmm. Or are you suggesting that because he made a lot of money and scored a lot of points, that these events shouldn't affect him? Or is it both? 
Are you saying essentially <laughs> that Mike Babcock's meanness is the reason Mitch Marner's talented? Or are you saying because Mitch Marner made a lot of money, Mitch Marner shouldn't feel bad about this and and should feel like, ah, it's water under the bridge, I which he might. I never even saw that tweet. I know who said that goofy shit. That was Damien Cox. Of course. Of course. Now, he said to me, well, obviously, he responded to me. Well, said, oh, there's that word again. There's that word again. He said, obviously, obviously <laughs> Adam. Obvious. How do you not know this, Adam? <laughs> obviously. To help you out with uh, the obvious. I have, so why not? Obvious. He has obviously. <laughs> Adam, what did you obviously miss? Ugh. From it's the so smartest obvious. goddamn person in sports. What did you miss? Go on. Nobody's saying what Babcock did was right. He apologized. Coaches make mistakes. Players make mistakes. See Austin Matthews, because he was talking about Austin Matthews being charged this summer. To take one incident out of four and a half successful years and somehow make that representative of the entire time is unfair. Great. That's your opinion, and hopefully people pay for it. And then he retweeted somebody's response to me. Mm-hmm. A cruel act for which Babcock, this is somebody who agrees with Damien, a cruel act for which Babcock apologized. People forget that Marner was looking like a disappointment in his second year for a time where he led the team in scoring. He had a bad month. Babs got Mitch Marner playing better and the whole team improved. Then after four years, they started to tune him out. It happens. The piling on Babs is unseemly. And Damien Cox retweeted him and said, piling on after he's gone. So brave. And he's, then he said... He's pushing some very dangerous narratives on well, his Twitter and, account. Well, and, and you know what? I went back and I looked through it. And this might have been unfair. But every year since, I think, 2013, Damian Cox has tweeted, hashtag Bell Let's Talk. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, it's not a big deal. Or is it? Man, there are a lot of Bell Let's Talk frauds. There, there were a lot of Bell Let's Talk frauds saying, over the past few days. I'm not saying that what Mike Babcock did to Mitch Marner led to a Mitch Marner mental illness. That's a very different thing. Mm. What I am saying is being psychologically abusive to people is wrong. <laughs> that's, and apparently that's a wild statement. Like, that's crazy for you to say that. But what, once is fine. Like, you think, like, I, get, I don't you understand how people can once? disagree with that. I, do you think this happened once? No. Why do Jeff O'Neill said it was more than once. Why, why is Jeff O'Neill on the radio, by the way, great segment. Screaming. Screaming about when, everybody. What station was he on? Uh, the better one. TSN 10. Thank you. Yes. Um, do, I, do I get fired for saying I watched that clip? No. You I think should. everybody watched that clip. I also thought it was good. It was good. <laughs> He's a good broadcaster, I mean, the fans, obviously. Fan segments were better, but like, I mean, that was pretty close. It was pretty Never close. heard of him. He said it. And we said it. We said it last episode. What did I ask you guys last episode? What does it take a player to hate someone? Mm. What's it take you to hate someone? And not just hate someone that you like, you dated, someone you were friends with, someone you your boss. Yeah. What's it take for you to hate your boss? And then what's it take to have everybody hate you? Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what Jeff O'Neill's point was. Bad guy. Oh, sorry, that's what I wanted to get to off the top. There is an atomic bomb <coughs> that former players drop. I've spoken to enough former players and listened to them talk to each other that I know their their atomic bomb is bad guy. And I know that sounds so silly and childish, but that is their if you're if you're a bad guy, you're the worst person they've ever met. It's Interesting. It takes a lot for a former hockey player yeah. to straight up call you a bad guy. 
Maybe that's just a silly observation of mine. It's hockey verbiage, where it's is that hockey really? verbiage, bad, bad guy, guy is, is as bad as it huh. comes. When I heard him repeatedly scream that into the microphone, I was like, "Oh shit, this is real!" <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else is like, "Well, sure, I know lots of bad guys, but they still like, like I don't no. know." They d- it's hockey bad guy. Yeah, no, yeah. this is Jeff O'Neill played in the '90s bad guy. Oh shit, bad bad. I'm trying to think. He probably reserves bad guy for like f- five people in the world. <laughs> bad guy's the atomic bomb for former hockey players. As I told you, there's one person in my life who I ever worked well to. <laughs> one of them was my landscaping boss, which I kind of look back on and laugh about. Still don't like him. And that radio boss I told you about who can fuck yeah. off forever. Bad guy? Bad guy. Bad guy. Bad person. Bad guy. Bad person. Whoa. Bad guy. Bad guy. Does he not mean well. Is vicious. <laughs> Doesn't mean well. And so, bad guy. Uh, just last thing on I, Damian I, I, Cox is just when you have he has sixty plus k followers on Twitter and just the sometimes just the narratives he pushes it's very disturbing. Well, it's just inflammatory to try to get attention. He's bored, right? But yeah. I wanted to bring up that point of view because there are a lot of people that believe that. You Ooh. make $65 million over the next X amount of years. Why should you feel bad? It obviously worked for you. No, guys, Mitch Marner was going to be a star whether the head coaching position existed or not. He was going to be a star unless you fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, Get out of his way. Yes. <laughs> like You didn't... Oh, what a, what a tactical genius that he made the fourth overall pick into a good player. <laughs> And not only the fourth overall pick, the guy that went goes back, scores the scores the most points, wins both championships. Yeah. Like wins every fucking game. And is the and is the captain, is he not? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, with the London Knights. Yeah. yeah. Like why why not? I don't know. Maybe you should have psychologically abused other players more and then they would have led the team in scoring. Like, like, like what the fuck are like you? Like you said, Bruce Cassidy, very clearly. Psychologically abused David Pasternak, Too nice. Brad Brad Marchand, and can, Patrice Bergeron into being the stars that they are today. Can you imagine the shit Pasternak's been through oh the past god. few years, he especially is... this year? Twenty three goals in twenty three games. My god! <laughs> and you know what's funny? How like, many lists has he had to make? Uh, who oh. knows? He's a, an entire agenda. So you know how many five of, star duo tangs yeah. he has? It's one of those scrolls <laughs> that you roll out and it just keeps going. Oh. One of those old timey scrolls. Just like yeah, 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 yeah. ancient show. Egypt, the Library of Alexandria. Like, All right. yes. <laughs> hear ye, hear <laughs> ye. At the bottom. <laughs> the equipment manager. <laughs> Goes to the town yeller and he's got the bell going. Uh, Sean Corelli. <laughs> <laughs> Second from the bottom, Zidane, and he just looks and sees the wide eyes. Uh, 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 Bjork, whatever his first name is. Never mind. Parlinholm, Parlinholm. Hey, what the fuck? I see my name. I'm at the top. Shut up. (laughs) Try not to die here. Get out. This is the thing. It's not as though this Mike Babcock, if Mike Babcock, if everybody loved Mike Babcock and was like, guy, what a great guy. Great Mm. guy. Holy smokes. And then this came out and it was like, Holy shit. Yeah. Is it a good guy doing a bad thing or a bad guy being a bad guy? And that's, it seems to be tipping a little bit more to a bad guy being a bad guy. I wanted to, and for years on this show, said, I am a fan of Mike Babcock. I tweeted it when he was fired. Mm-hmm. I'm I, a fan of the image that was painted of him. Yes. 
Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. Beautifully put. Like, that's that's exactly it. Maybe I should be more careful with my, uh, hey, this guy seems great. Mm-hmm. Well, that was I think that was me that said it. I think it was, I think it was all of us. I think I said it. I don't yeah. Know. yeah, listen. I, I think want to we assume all thought that, he was a good guy. I, I want to assume that everybody's a good guy. Right. That should be the baseline. Baseline should be, should be being a good guy. And just all these little... I was... I was. But you've got, you've got I was 15 years of, of players saying, but uh, just to finish that point, sure. that they don't like them. Mm-hmm. And they, in, in fact, it's not that they don't like them, it's they hate them. Yeah, not don't like them, but we had success. Like, guys he won with were like, all right, and still fuck you. You helped me win, my name is next year's on the Stanley Cup, and still I hate you. It's a tough one, man. I was heartened, and, and it was another example of hockey not being rocket science to me. When listening to the TSN clip, which I thought was bang on, um, that they just went over all the points that we do, mm-hmm. right? All the stuff that was weird to us is weird to them. <laughs> they brought up Mike Medano. They brought up Jason Spezza. They brought up the point that I didn't even realize. Spezza, who's on league minimum and league vet of God knows how many games. I'm sure it ends with 99, thanks to Mike, um, <laughs> was in town two months early to work with the guys. Didn't yeah. know that. And make the team. I did not know that. Hey, see, access is a hell of a drug. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because if you have access, you know that. We didn't know that. We don't that's have access. How, that's how we knew. Bad guy. No, it... It, <laughs> it almost felt like... Struggling it, here. No, like, I, I'm a... I love what Overdrive's doing. And... And, and, nah. I, and I think... <laughs> no, it was funny because... Um, because when he was saying that, because I didn't understand the the context of bad guy in hockey terms, oh. I it almost felt like it was like when you're you know when you're really mad at your dogs and you're like you're a bad dog right now. When, but then they're, but they're the cutest. And thing they look at you and they're like, what do you mean? I'm Sometimes a bad dog. their I'm tail like, okay, is still wagging. I'm really pissed off. <laughs> they're looking at you and their tail is still wagging. The and worst you're like, you're is bad. The low <laughs> flutter. The, the, the it's oh. wagging but it's low. Oh. Yeah. Do you want to? You know what my dogs did to me the other morning? Oh, that's a good Four thirty in the morning. So I don't have a backyard. I've got a driveway in my backyard because that's how we live in Toronto. And there's a patch of grass near me. Now, I live in a rougher neighborhood. <laughs> that's the most Toronto description I've ever heard. Yeah. There's a patch of grass near me. <laughs> and I live I live in a Toronto neighborhood that's a bit rough. Uh, but I love it. And it's real. Rough and real, baby. Uh, and what's cool about it is there is a lot of history in it. So, obviously, I love that. They're like, you know, it's old Victorian houses and there's old coach houses behind them. And all the coach houses have either been turned into music studios or they've been turned into, like, little mini apartment buildings. And it's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Right? Well, coach, it's where you keep your coach. Babcock lives there? No. <laughs> no <laughs> Sorry, like Keith, now. Horse and carriage. Oh. Like your coach. Because okay. Keith isn't living in No, that Sheldon oh, Keith okay. is not living in my backyard. Why? Anyway, anyway love my area. <laughs> but I take my dogs out to a spot where there is a bathroom. And usually, because I'm, they're pretty good dogs, mm-hmm. I'm able to control them. And I'm able to just, you know, say commands to them quietly and not wake anybody up. And they're able to go pee in the morning at 4.30 before I go to work. So, um, I... I, for whatever reason, this day, um, you know, started my truck up and then walked down the street. But I didn't, I didn't pay attention to them because normally I'm not thinking about that. I'm like, well, they're going to be fine. So I walked down to the area afterwards where they are, and I noticed that I had heard my dog Cedric bark, and then I realized, oh my God, they raced. So when they race, they're gone. Mm. Oh no! So I, I spent ten minutes running around the neighborhood. And finally, I run out to Sherburne, where I live. And uh-huh. you, anybody that lives in Toronto knows Sherburne has some rough points. Busy Toronto street. Busy street, but it's again 4.30 in the morning, nobody's there. Thank goodness. And I start, call, I start whistling. 
and I see this white little thing walking towards me, and it's my dog, Bindi, and she knows she's in trouble, and no. she's doing that. Because she's the vet. She's the vet. Yeah. She's been around longer. She knows she's in shit. She knows she's not supposed to do that. She knows she's not supposed to cross the street for sure, and she's coming across the street, and she's so upset mm. that she the tail's wagging, It's un, and she's almost crouching on the street. Yeah, so she she's knows. almost army yeah. crawling towards me on the street. I'm like, no, yeah. come, faster, cars, let's mm-hmm. go. And then Cedric's like, you'd never know he was ever in trouble ever in his life. He He's like, we're like, playing now. He comes going over like, hey, this was so much fun. We need to do this more often. <laughs> and I'm like, you, hey, Dad, you can join the race. And I and I had to because he tried to run by me and I had to pin him and I had to hold her. And I said, <laughs> I actually said this to my dogs. I was like, guys, you scared the absolute shit out of me. Mm-hmm. What would I have done? And I saw, I found it like, <laughs> I, I was my mother. <laughs> what would I have done if one of you was hit? <laughs> I actually yeah. said that, and then I, I had believe to, it. I had to pick Cedric up because, again, blissfully unaware that he's even in trouble, right? And because he was going to run off again, and then Bindi stayed right beside me all the way home. Anyway, that, I don't know why I got into that story, but Adam, that's what happened the other morning. Question uh, for you: hey, What do you got? I don't know. Have you learned your lesson, and are you now not an off-leashington? No, an off leash <clears throat> because I, I I'm not a big fan of your people. I know, I know, and oh, I, I, I said it. it. I said you people. That's fair. That's fair. You are an off leash person. You're the Don Cherry of off leash dog people. I I am not a fan of off leash because I have my little my little puppy and she stays on her leash at all times. You're right, and it's fair. You know why I do it? Uh, it's because it's a challenge to me and the, to the dogs in our relationship. I'm trying to build a relationship where I can trust them to go as far as I need. And they they can trust me to say or they they trust me enough to know when it's time to come home. Hmm. And admittedly, it's not perfect. And there have been some blips like the one I just told you about. But have I ever told you about that happening before? No. And I've been doing that for a year. So that's never happened. It's fair. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, and I get it. I get it. And if and if something happens, it's on me. But it's 430 in the morning. It's dead in the streets. And I'm I'm taking the dogs out. And I'm not going to leash them. I'm going to try to build a deeper relationship with them. I'm just trying. I would have mm-hmm. never at 430 in the morning just because, well, for you, raccoons. No. Oh. For me, bunnies. Oh, you have bunnies. And they're gone. If they, oh, my God. <laughs> Iggy's, he's, there's been a bunny on the lawn that I didn't notice. And Iggy was, it's just a white streak. Gone. It's just a white streak. And, he's caught a couple too, right? Iggy, the, Iggy may or may not have a kill count. <laughs> no. That's impressive. Most dogs never catch. Right? Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, That's not impressive. I, I think mean, he's ever, sort of like agility wise. I don't think he's impressive. ever caught an adult. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, so he. He's it was playing. tragic. There was oh, well, that's really sad. A few years ago, when I tweeted that we put up a fence around the the, the bunnies, the bunnies. The, I mean, the fence was not decoration. It was there because we knew we had a stone cold killer in right. our midst. Right. And I bet Charlie would have too. Right. I mean, well, he's crazy. He eats his own poop. <laughs> you just Something never know. like poop. Charlie? You know, it's it's all the rave in Toronto. <laughs> Do we, can we tell that story for yeah, people who don't know? One of the number oh one stories God. in the city, might as well lighten it up somehow. Uh, one of the number one stories in the city, so much so that the mayor spoke about it at a podium the other day, is... There was a guy just mm-hmm. going around in a hard hat with a bucket full of pee and poo and throwing it on people. And at university. At university. Mm-hmm. He started at York University. M- moved his way to U of T. Moved his way to U of T. And I think there were at least two incidences at U of T. And they caught him after about 48 hours. They caught him at Queen and Spadina, which is just down from where we're recording right now. I thought he was headed for Ryerson next. Mm-hmm. I honestly did. That's like, what I thought people he was were doing saying. the circuit. 
The the university circuit. Why? Why? I guess we're about to find out. It was on... the number one. I saw someone this morning go, how is this news? I'm like, uh, how, how is it not? Don't you know that there is a cereal poo thrower and the mayor talked about it? Pretty Sometimes I'm like, Toronto's huge. <laughs> and other times I'm like, the mayor talked about a poo thrower. <laughs> I keep calling you producer so, Jesse. I mean Jesse. I'm sorry. That's, okay. that's that's Jesse's name on Virgin. <laughs> yeah. Because we're trying to characterize and introducing ourselves to an audience. Yes. I don't anyway, producer sorry. Jesse. Uh, what do you sorry, have to Jesse. say? You are the producer, but still. Uh, but still. Um. So he had his bail hearing today, and they said a crowd showed up. They said it was nearly 50 people had showed. Up. That's more people than Don Cherry's uh, <laughs> oh my God. uh protest. Yeah. Literally, Adam, do you have clean over? Uh, oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's right there. It's right there. Oh, <laughs> You're yucky. Boy. So 50 people show up in the small in City Hall, the small courthouse, just to watch this man. And his name was Samuel Apoku, 23. He walked into the pack courtroom, blue jeans, uh, gray pants, blue jean shirt, gray pants, around 2.30. And then they said it's going to be moved to, it was adjourned, and it's going to be moved till December 3rd. Is when we're gonna interesting um, find out why he did it. Hopefully, so but he's gonna be held in custody until then. Now he that's he got assault charges for that. I thought it would be public mischief, but I guess no. That's no, assault. That's yeah. assault. See again, this is where I, I'm not a cop, so I don't know. <laughs> well, okay, you know how we had the discussion is spitting assault. Yes, throwing poo for sure is assault. Yeah. If that's assault, then yeah. that is assault. Now, Adam, not poo, liquefied fecal matter. Oh. Mm. Question for you. <laughs> We had the spitting, mm-hmm. we had the punching. Mm-hmm. What's a worse assault? Uh, are are you th- putting liquefied? Because there's there are levels of this. So is is punching worse than liquefied feces? Because liquefied feces oh. could legitimately make you very sick. Or yes, yes. I uh, actually someone told me a story about that today, where a similar attack happened, and that person actually got something oh. from it. Um, is it the, the spit, <laughs> the punch, or um, using one spine as a xylophone, like Robert Tuzo? Gring, gring, going up and down Victor Arvidsson's spine. What's what's worse? Is that what we're getting into? Are we getting into that? <laughs> no. What, you want to get into Bartu- Bartuzo? No, I we, we kind of on... talked it last episode. Didn't yeah, we? I think yeah. we're going Oh, did Bartuzo. we? Yeah, we had yeah. the whole oh, thing. Okay, well, then I'll promote it yeah. on Steve's Dang It, so on the Sportsnet <laughs> um, YouTube channel. My, I would rather get punched in the face than have feces thrown on me. Oh, if it's, if it's then liquefied. The, I'd rather get, I think, the spit than the punch, and the punch than the poo. No, spitting's in there, too? Yeah, spitting. A, it's all on the table now, Jesse. Uh, I'd rather get spit on than punched in fecal matter. I will take spit first. Yeah. I will take punch second. Yeah. Yeah. Feces is, is right at the That's bottom just of a list terrible. of things you never want to happen to terrible. you. Terrible. Now, all right. Essa <laughs> uh, tweeted me and, and was in my DMs. And we're going back to the Marner here thing yes. for a second. And he said, we'll he try. Said, you know, and we've we've kind of addressed uh, we've kind of addressed a lot of the, what the first portion of his message is. And I told him I was going to read it, but I because it was a legitimate question. It was about why is the media now talking about all these things about Babcock and Marner? And he's like, I'm not defending the, the Babcock Marner thing. But why does this come out now? So I think we've kind of talked about that yeah, already. Yeah, I hope we've covered uh, that. I think we have. Mm-hmm. And and he said, knowing this stuff publicly, do you not think it could have given Marner some public credibility during contract talks? And I, well, I did want to touch on that. Hmm. When we talk about one of the things that we thought was outrageous this summer that now, with a new lens, sort of makes sense, is the fact that the Marner family and Marner himself 
felt disrespected by the Leafs organization. When he was a rookie. When <laughs> he was a rookie. They talked about the rookie bonuses at the, the time. The rookie bonuses, the benching. But this is, again, it's different information, right? Of course. This was not available to us at the time. So we're like, what do you mean? It's like, okay, so you didn't get some bonuses, you didn't get rookie bench, benching, whatever. And what, what I what I tweeted, because <laughs> some, someone asked me, I'm like, well, there's an enormous difference between demoted to the fourth line for, I think, less than half a dozen games and, like, psychologically fucked with by your head coach. Yes. Yes. So in this particular instance, I think we can all understand Nylander to a lesser extent. I think Nylander was just going for fair value, to be honest, and he got it. If you look at it... <laughs> I you, can't believe the two are still compared. I know. It's, it's insane. Not, not insane. to be the resident Nylander defender. <laughs> but the contract Nylander ended up getting, it looks like such a great deal. Except like, for if you ask anybody over the age of 45. <laughs> yes. Then he doesn't try and blah, 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 and he's too damn pretty. But No, but, we don't need to go okay boomer about it, but... And by the way, I will remind everyone using millennial as a comeback insult, Ron Hainsey is a millennial. So, yeah, Ron <laughs> Hainsey is a millennial. That's so nuts. Oh, my God. Ron Hainsey belongs in a different generation. Ron, Ron Hainsey belongs in the next generation. He's a, He seems like a Gen Z guy. The, the, mm-hmm. or Gen the Chris Gen Johnston X. story. The, oh, with the... The Hummer? The fact that he drives... <laughs> Why don't you tell everyone what I drive? <laughs> he drives a Hummer. And I think the best picture of Ron Hainsey is the Stanley Cup parade in Pittsburgh. Where he's got his jeans and his dress shoes on with his and jeans yeah, yeah, and, and exactly a beard. He's it's perfect. <laughs> Just a legend. But what doesn't it all make sense now? <laughs> Why would Mitch Marner and I and I say this to myself, like you know, you ever had you, you've seen those Skip Bayless videos where he argues with himself? Because yes. Skip Bayless will literally argue anything and it'll be like Skip and it'll be like LeBron James sucks yeah. and he's like Actually, LeBron yeah. James, blah 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 blah, and like and now, it, now, <laughs> it's amazing. Those videos are incredible, by the so way. So good, absolutely incredible. So good. I think it was Aaron Rodgers was the first one I saw. So I'm doing this to myself. Oh. I'm calling myself out from this summer. But how could Mitch Marner not feel disrespected? Yeah, I I was talking to Anthony Petrelli on Twitter. He made me feel like a dummy, which he often does on account uh, of he's very smart. smart. Yeah, he wrote the Tavares he's stuff. Smarter than what he's you. talking about. Yes. Yeah. So he was he was saying, I'm sorry. Like, do you think this had any impact on it? And I thought about it. I'm like, well, yeah, at the end of the day, money's money. And he probably had his number and wanted his number. However, I I do think, okay, he's got his number. I think it would have been maybe easier to get him to budge off that number a little bit if Babcock didn't pull out that shit. I if agree. he liked the guy who was coaching it. Yes. If you would die for the guy you're playing with. Yeah. Like if you fucking hate your boss, but your you, the managers above your boss want to keep you, yeah, and they then you're saying, well, then you better pay me every penny you got. Yeah, yeah. And, and people I saw on Twitter a lot. People were comparing it to Tampa Bay, and they were saying they probably they probably have such a great environment down in Tampa. Like I know well, nothing about the dressing room. This year, but, <laughs> not this, not this year, no, but, but like even all, though the dressing room might be great. Though. All the guys who are taking discounts, they must like playing there. It's funny you should bring that up. I'm not sure that's the case because hmm. there's been whispers for years that they don't even like John Cooper, but maybe they find him oh. regular annoying and not this. Right. Right. And not also abusive. the state taxes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a difference between this yeah. coach grinds on me a little bit and you know what? We haven't had a ton of success under him and the Babcock stuff. And and I, I look at a... Uh, I look at the situation now and think Austin Matthews, same thing. Hmm. And you know why? You know why Austin Matthews probably didn't get along with Mike Babcock? Because he knew about all this stuff, obviously, 
and whatever else Babcock did. Mm -hmm. And by the way, none of the star players that played for Babcock like him, apparently. We're finding this out now. Yeah. Again, wish somebody had told me a week ago. <laughs> but I didn't know. It's it's interesting that this took four years in his firing. Well, like, but if you asked Detroit, it didn't. If you asked right. people that are Detroit fans, right, it didn't. Right, but again, right. different media circus. Mm -hmm. I can't remember who it was, but they're like, you think he'd go back to Detroit? And I'm like, ha! <laughs> they're not taking him back? No. Yeah. What? No. No, not a chance. Well, they're keeping Blashel. So... Uh, well, if they gotta fire him, it won't be Babs. Right. So, so then... So, he, but with Matthews, do you get the sense, and this is completely just conjecture? Sure. No mm -hmm. proof of this. You get the sense that that M Matthews probably thought, you know what, this guy's a bad guy, and I'm so fucking talented that I'm just not going to play along with this. Mm -hmm. Austin Matthews has way too much talent, and Mitch, I think, I think Austin's got. I think Austin of two, three years ago had a little more swagger than Mitch Marner did. Mitch Marner was like a happy puppy, mm -hmm. pleaser, 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 people pleaser. Matthews was more a quiet, self-assured. Guy has a real personality, but you never see it in the media because obviously in hockey you just can't. But I get the sense that Austin Matthews probably was like, this guy, I can't trust him. I don't like him. I'm going to have to put up with him. But I'm not gonna, I am not going to stand for this shit if it ever happened to me. There had to be something where Austin, there was a breaking point between Austin Matthews and Mike Babcock where Matthews decided, I don't like you. And Babs tried to tried to fly down to Arizona and work it out with him. And, mm -hmm. ba and Matthews probably was like, we'll work this out. You know, we, we got it. We got to do what's best for the team here. However, there was a point and I wonder what it was. Being 6'2 helps or 6'3 or whatever he, he is. He's a big boy. Yeah. Six, isn't he 6'4? He's a big guy. <clears throat> Matthews? Yeah, I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure, Jesse, you've been in situations where you're like, I think this person's being nicer to me because I'm 6'5". No, I don't get into conflicts. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not person. talking about conflicts. <laughs> no. Well, Jesse not... once made me had it do a list. No. Uh, he, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I sat Adam down and I said, Adam, list the laziest people on the Steve Dangle podcast. And Adam put, are you going to reveal? I'm, I'm the person who has to reveal the list, right? Because you would never tell. Right, right. Tell yeah. you the players on the team. So I, I'm just going to come out and tell you, Steve, you were right at the bottom. What the? Yeah. I am mad at you, <laughs> but as a veteran, I'm going to turn around and go, Adam, <laughs> the fuck that you did that to Jesse? Why did, we'll talk later. Why did you do that? Yeah, to our, one of our star rookies. <laughs> but he, no, I made he's Adam the coach. make the list. Oh, you're the. I'm the coach. <laughs> You got it back. Shit! <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your list yeah. has merit then. Uh, there we go. <laughs> so, what a dumbass. So, yeah. Maybe the then, dumbest person on my own show. And I want to say, um, uh, uh, that's why you're at the bottom. Steve. Listening to the uh, the Overdrive segment, I heard Jamie McLennan bring up hey, something. I wrote a heavily edited book. Sorry. I heard Jamie McLennan uh, bring up something on the on that segment, you know, you know, and obviously Jeff O'Neill was the star that day, no mm -hmm. question. Oh, he was on fire. But Jamie McLennan said an interesting thing. <coughs> Jeff O'Neill had the kind of energy that suggested he had been sitting in traffic all day. Yeah. Which when he's like, I drove from Collingwood, I'm like, oh shit, he's gonna be on fire. Let's yeah. Because then you got time to talk to yourself, right? Oh yeah. Well, and five former NHLers, according to him. Right. Jamie McLennan said, "Hey, so a lot of mudslinging it." At Babcock, and this was before the Peter stuff broke, by the way. Yes. So it's keep, so fast evolving. It, it, it was because this it was like three hours before. It was yeah, it was literally like before they like before the game. So he said, "What if Mike Babcock came out and said, 
Well, this guy went to practice high and this guy was out partying too late. And this guy, like he said, it's a two-way street. Yeah, what but- happens if these coaches... And these players have to accept that. And I, that's probably why these players haven't said anything, too. Because they may be. not be clean themselves. Could yeah. be. Could be. They might it also is. have skeletons. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. well, I think every, I think the reality in life is everybody's got skeletons. Everybody's got something out there that's going to make you look bad. No Maybe one's not perfect, on that level. Yeah. Well, like, Maybe not running into a dressing room and telling a 20-year-old kid to turn off the N-word stuff. Uh, but, but everybody's got something that they said along the way that they would apologize for profusely and regret immensely for the rest of their lives. Oh, you're talking about things people said. I was going to say, NHL or, player showed up to practice hungover. Oh, shit. Hey, hang up yeah. the phone. Yeah. Hang well, up that. Here, cancel mm-hmm. all my plans. we got to talk about this. What? So, but what if these coaches come out and start dropping shit on the players? Uh, I, I would say what Jeff O'Neill said, which is go for it. <laughs> go for it, because your shit's worse. Right? I mean, you show up to, you show up to practice high mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm. It's it's that's my business, right? That 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 screws up my practice. I shouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it violates something in his contract. But at the end of the day, it only harms him, right? Yeah. My my. So my, here's my next question: Statute of limitations is something that came up, which is an American concept. We don't have that here in huh. Canada. Okay. Statute of limitations, essentially, and again, you're, there's a, there's American lawyers listening right now, going, "Ha, huh, he's gonna fuck this up." But essentially. <laughs> My basic understanding is that after seven years, if you have not reported a crime that happened to you, uh, or it's not been prosecuted, mm-hmm. you can't be charged. Yeah, and we're not saying this is a crime, but you're talking about statute of limitations. Uh, right. Like social. What's the social statute of limitations? Interesting. And, and, and so, okay, so this Bill Peters incident happened 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. This Mike Babcock incident happened three, at least three years ago. Yes. Three. So, the question, and... and uh, I've had a few people kind of say this. Is there a statute of limitations on these things? Because I think in, in law, it's one thing. I think the idea of it in law is one thing. I think it's social situations and how it represents a company you work for. You know, I mean, like we have a prime minister in Canada, frankly, who was caught with blackface. Yep. Those pictures are 15 years old? Uh, Something like that. But they exist. He did it. <laughs> Not old enough. <clears throat> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Does that exist socially? Should it exist socially? And is there a point at which we say, okay, like, because people are like, well, hey, wait a second here. You like the guy, you're upset about Bill Peters dropping, brought what he did, but then you'll, then, but then an entire country elects a guy that used to do blackface. Right. <sighs> right. Well, go Un- for it. Unrelated. Not, I would agree with that, but I'm <laughs> asking the question. I am posing the question, guys. Go ahead. Uh, sure. I'd say, yeah, extremely complicated. Uh, it, I think it depends on growth, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it depends on, like, three years ago isn't a ton of time. No. Uh, at least with the Babcock stuff. Um, and uh, I don't know, by the time this show is posted, Jesse, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. You could have another You're going to have to put another disclaimer because so, God there, knows what else is going to so happen. There's so many of these issues where people like to assume that it's black and white. It's this happened, but this happened. And why can't this be this situation? Or is that Not situation? a direct comparison. But everything kind of exists in this gray area where it's just nuanced and it's based on circumstance. And I think that's how you have to analyze these things. And in these situations, like, you need to hear from these people who are abused. 
news. Like, regardless mm-hmm. of how, when it happened, or if somebody feels the need to tell the story about an individual and they have a public forum to do it, it's, it's their right to. And we shouldn't judge them for that. Even, and, and, even if it's 10 years later. And the, and, Even if it's 10 years later, and the conversation, they, they feel the need to get that story out there. The conversation always turns from, or <clears throat> turns to everyone's so soft today, rather than shit used to be fucked up. Right. <laughs> right? It's, oh, it's soft today, not the way we used to do it is stupid. Right. Oh, kids have it so much easier today, and the best response I've ever seen to that is, well, shouldn't it be? Uh-huh. Like, shouldn't your kids have it easier than you did? Society should just be easier as it goes along. That's the yeah. point. Yeah. If they're it not, should get we don't have a world war going on. Advances in technology have made everything so easy that every every generation that grows up uh, past the next one, you should have every life should be super easy for you. Yeah. And what? Why? Why is that a bad thing? Why do we look at oh these kids have it so easy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't being alive be easy just as a person? I don't want my kid to walk backwards up a hill in their pajamas seven hours <laughs> to right. school in the middle of a snowstorm. I think to, the, to you know to make a joke out of it. The tough right. thing with Peters because I'm talking about like redemption, yeah. and, and you should you should be able to <clears throat> at least to some extent be able to redeem yourself and show growth. The issue is we're talking about something from 12 years ago, and then another and. You know, I'm sure some people might be willing to go, well, you know, it was a very long time ago. I bet he regrets it. I bet he thinks differently now, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm... Then we have it. Wait, I know. Then we have a player go four years ago. He mm-hmm. punched and kicked me and another guy. Uh, now all of a sudden, and I know they're unrelated things, but they sort of are related. And it's now we're talking about a very small amount of time, a quarter of the amount of time. It's really difficult. I but, think everyone should get a then, chance at their redemption story, but man, that's tough. But then with Babcock, you're like, okay, the Marner incident happened in 2016, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you go, in fucking September, he benched a guy to fuck with him in the whole opener. It's it's all related on the timeline, is it not? Yeah. I, well, believe that's and it's, the, I believe the Marner story is the tip of the iceberg with Mike Babcock. I believe... It might be the worst one. It might it might be the worst one, but just like with the Titanic, you see a little bit on the surface, <laughs> and you see a lot you see a lot underneath. Whatever mm-hmm. you see with the iceberg is it's it's really underneath. I also think, and I want to bring this up. I want to ask what you guys think about this. My my big thing in life is what's the intention? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was saying. Like it was to motivate Marner. So why he said he was lazy? Right. He acknowledged he was lazy. Why are you now humiliating him? To the veterans. Well, and then with Peters, what's your intention with Akeem Alu? Oh, or Alu? What's I the intention? Know. Maybe I there wasn't one. He Maybe just he's... didn't want to hear rap music that day. Yeah. And <laughs> how hard is it to be like, hey, man, turn that down? Dude, he's, he's a rookie in the AHL. Bill Peters is the head coach. Mm-hmm. You think if the head coach goes, hey, turn that shit off, that rookie, he's, he's kicking an, the thing over. It's a he... story we never hear about. What do you mean? If he does that, it's a oh. story we never hear. Yeah, hey, of can course. you turn that shit off? I need to talk to the room yeah. or I got a headache or whatever. Yeah. Well, now that you mention it, it is kind of loud. Sorry, coach. Beep. You probably kicked the thing over by a new one the next day. Yeah, you got your signing bonus. You know, but it, it very wasn't that, was it? Right. And, so what is it? Yeah. And so people ask, like they use the Trudeau thing as an example. And, and I think it's funny because you have a man who 
objectively did something racist, but then spent the next 15 years advocating for immigrants, people of color, disadvantaged communities, all those sorts well, of things. And without getting into that, I, th I just found that a lot of the people using that as an example, I'm like, so wait, that's bad too. Yeah, they're both bad. That's bad too, right? And huh. I don't think you'll get a lot of responses that are, yeah, right. No, it's, but they're that is to, bad too. It's not good. They're both right. horrible. Right. But the question of growth. Yes. Ashley Docking, uh, when I, when I co-host with her, and I've mentioned this before, she's the morning show, uh, she's one of the morning show hosts on The Fan. The starting lineup. The and second I, best sports radio station in Toronto. Right. Yes. <laughs> she would disagree with you on that. No, but that's their tagline. Hey, you know what? You make the podium, that's pretty good. <laughs> 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 that's a good response. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Who gets bronze? Anyway. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um. Maybe a station in Buffalo that beams in. I don't know. Mm. But she said, and I, we were talking about a completely unrelated sports incident, but it was an athlete that had been alleged to do things, and this was before the Me, Me Too movement, and who has largely escaped um, criticism since. I remember this. And, uh, and she said, you know, like, you're a fan of this, this team. How do you reconcile that? And I said, I don't know. I don't know how I could reconcile that. And I said, what would it take? And let me ask you, I said, I don't know if I really can reconcile that. And I said, what would it take for you to reconcile, reconcile that? And she said, receipts. Mm -hmm. uh. Show me. Show me that you've gone to classes. Yep. Show me that your understanding now of the plight of this particular group of people, women in this case. Show me now that you have changed and learned and grown. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, Bill, you screamed at this guy in 2007 or whatever it was. Uh, what do you have to say about that? Well, this receipt here says I punched and kicked one of my players. Uh, sorry, two of them. And it's corroborated by the current head coach of the team. Wait, shit, wrong receipt. Right? Like. And with Babs, it just, I don't know, like, like you sort of said, like there were so many things he championed. That we were like, yeah, fuck right. Well, and like, go, I, I go would still agree with like, all the things he championed. Yeah, but I it taints it, right? Well, you wonder how you can. It's it's how can you speak on one side, and then do this on another? Now I'm wondering what was the timeline on Babs because I remember his mental health advocacy coming a little out of left field. Did this? Did one thing spurn the other? Or spurn on the other, bring about the other. Maybe not good with words. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. And maybe that was his growth, and we're not allowing him to grow. Did you guys? I don't know. Do you guys remember the uh, the Kevin Pilar incident in 2017 where he yes where he had the a f f word in in reference to homosexuals. Yes, yeah. the worst word you can call them. Yeah, and then um, he was asked about it about a year later. Uh, by Shai Devi on the year one year anniversary actually and he's he was talking about it and he said um, I look back a year from it and I'm thankful that it happened because I hope the uncomfortable conversations that I can now have which can be uncomfortable can be sensitive and for a long time there wasn't really a reason to have these conversations people can understand the impact it had and he was I think it was a good example of someone who at least really tried to make amends for yeah. A terrible incident. And mm -hmm. you don't have to forgive him. Right. You don't have to forgive anybody. But that does show growth. Yeah. And it was just he he spent that year in that time just trying to work with the LGBTQ community and grow and be sensitive to those issues because he clearly wasn't before. 
And I think that's where people need to strive to. Like, if they do make mistakes, it's about that growth and the receipts, like you're like you were saying. Mm-hmm. I've said it before. I've said just about every awful thing you can say. Um, not at someone, but you know, you hear you hear things, you say things. I've said this before on oh. the show. I've never I, I've never d- denied it or hit it. But well, what I, I have mean, learned... Homophobic slurs were pretty trendy when we were in high hell, school. Man. Oh, my God. Absolutely. <laughs> I look back on it with a lot of regret, believe me. Yeah. I regret it. But I'll tell you, I've also learned. Yeah. And wouldn't do it now. And would 150% would love to go back and shake myself. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. but oh, at my the same, God. But, but it also, as he said, it spurs those con- spurs on those conversations about... What does this really mean, and why is this offensive? I feel and like why it's healthy people? to want to go back a decade and beat up your former self. Yeah, I hope. I hope so. <laughs> you know, because I want to kick my own ass so bad. Especially, I yeah. think sixteen, seventeen. I really just felt like just an idiot, yeah. just a fucking idiot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I needed to be that fucking idiot to grow. Mm-hmm. I needed to be stupid and get called out to be and get called out, which I was. Mm-hmm. And have been. And I think we're seeing so many people be like ultra sensitive about so many of these issues because that's the level it needs to get to for it to just like come back to the middle where everybody's can feel included. You know? Yeah. We're seeing it politically where people are like super sensitive about these issues, but it needs to happen because we need that extreme level just so you can, because change is so hard in society. It takes Slow. decades. It is so, we talked, you talked about extensively during the, uh, during our Don Cherry conversation where change is just so hard and we need a little bit of patience, but we need that extreme end just so we can bring it back to the middle. Yeah. You know? It's now, been one, one extreme for such a long time. Yeah. This was coming. Yeah. The pendulum maybe, has swung. Maybe, maybe this isn't the greatest comparison. I don't know. But, you know, when people are overly sensitive about this stuff, uh, I'm busier than I ever have been in my entire life. And I'm I'm one of those uh, overly dramatic people. I can't afford to be sick right now. And oh no, you're, you're one of the those. worst. I, oh, I, I can't be sick <laughs> right oh my now. God. I'm definitely one of I those guys. I hate you. I know, dude. <laughs> Same. Every morning, I'm like, not my favorite. Like, <laughs> not for me, but we're stuck together, so I guess fine. It's a different <laughs> issue. Every morning, that's a completely different issue, there, Doctor Faisal. Yeah. So All okay, right. not my favorite, but we're moving on. So, uh, uh, where the hell was I even going with that? Oh yeah, I can't uh, be sick right now. Yeah. And so, as a result, I wash my hands a lot more and vigorously, and I sanitize a lot more because. Every every little thing to me, every handshake, every... I rode the subway today. You know what bravery that took? Every little thing where there could be germs, I'm I'm fearful of infection. Even if it's slightly irrational. Some would say you're hypersensitive to it. Some would say I'm hypersensitive to it. So someone might see something really, really tiny. And to you, you go, what the fuck? Like, we're just shaking hands or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's, It's not just shaking hands to everyone else. You know what I mean? It might not be the same to you, right. to them as it is to you. Yeah. yeah, and that goes with race and gender and creed and everything else that yeah. that people are talking. It's about. risk. They see risk. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. That's that's I that's the I don't know best analogy also, I could come can come up with. I don't know if it was good. Steve told me a story once and it stuck with me and I think you'll find this. Oh no. Okay. It's okay. It's not a it's not a kayak bomb. In this story, <laughs> does Steve look like an idiot? No, no. It was funny. <laughs> no, he thought about it. Shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, it was. It's very much along the washing hands thing. So we were in. I don't know what we were doing. We were at a hockey game or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And we're in a, or maybe we're, we're at a bar when we actually used to do that. Because now we have like insane lives and we never get the chance to just uh-huh. go out and. When we started the show, we used to go out and drink on the weekends. That's just not a thing that people do anymore. No. Nope. And and so anyway, the the we're at a bar or something like that, and and we're washing our hands at the sink. And I, you know, wash, hands dry. Steve's still at the sink. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know what? I said, what? And he's like, SL told me something. Mrs. Dangle told me something this week that really, really stuck with me. I said, what's that? And he said, well, apparently to do any good with soap and water, you got to scrub your hands for at least 15 seconds. Yeah. Because she's a teacher and she would know that. Mm -hmm. Of course. I've heard that as well. And Steve said, so it's made me rethink everything. And I believe that's where your germ thing started, right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it was that week, and I think I was there. Oh, yeah. You I'm just throwing saw, that out there. Yeah, yeah. Story. Saw, that might have been the beginning. That was the germ. That was the seed. Yes. That built this tree. This, this large tree oak. of anxiety. <laughs> oh. This oh. large oak redwood tree of anxiety. Our, our house. I'm a forest of worry. <laughs> our house is the aviator, and we're five years away from just piss jugs all around oh, every wall. Gosh. And, uh, yeah. No, we're. I've always wanted to start a show called Worst Case Scenario and bring on the most anxious people I know Ooh. and just drop a scenario and go, what's the worst that could happen to you here? Would and I be your co host them too? I yeah, assume so. So, you, you and TJ mm. would be great. And I'm just looking for a third member who would be mm. phenomenal at it. It's just you just drop, drop, okay, guys, so this happens. What? How An does Eminem fell on the floor and you ate it. What happens? Oh, man. And the yarns that you'll spin. What's weird is that doesn't bother me because it's food. Oh, okay. So you'll eat an off the floor, but if it's in your hands... Yeah. I. Oh, listen. I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> you know... And that's it. Steve is big enough to admit that he's wrong. Yeah. What, you call me fat? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen... Right. You know what? This was, I can tell you this. Uh, there's going to be criticisms about this show both ways. There's going to be people that disagree one way, people that disagree another. Uh, we did the best we could with the subject matter at hand. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you this. Um, I sure hope it gets better from here. I can yes. tell you that I've noticed some blind spots about myself in the last few days yep. that oh, yeah. I would like to correct. And sometimes that's what the thing about blind spots. Sometimes you just don't even know they're there. That's the, why they're a blind spot. And I can tell you this too. Looking forward to talking about games and stats yes. and getting and, and having other NHL teams fans reach out at me and say, hey, you mischaracterized my team because you don't know shit, man. I'm looking forward to those messages again because this has been, and I do not say this lightly, this has been the heaviest two weeks of this entire podcast in seven years. Insane. Yeah, probably. I have never, ever gone into this many episodes in a row feeling like this and if you uh. feel left out by if you feel you know like as i said before you're welcome here we've always said that you are welcome here we don't care what your background is we care that you're a good person we don't care that you're perfect we care that you learn from your mistakes i would and say you're welcome here if everyone else is bingo and everyone else is welcome and the key here going forward is that i hope that we did some justice to these subjects I hope that in listening to this show, you do feel included, whatever your background is. And I hope that this is a tipping point for hockey. Because hockey needs to face this before hockey can start growing again.
Mm-hmm. Agreed? And I, I pray there's a zero tolerance for this. I hope once the Calgary Flames finish their investigation, it's zero tolerance. Yeah. Like it starts it's, it starts now, right? It's, it's just it's over. Stories might come out of it happening in the past, whatever, whatever. You don't want to hear a new one. No. Like it's it's not it's not acceptable. Right. No. Yeah, we don't want to hear one that happened this week. Right. And the reason, by the way, everybody's upset that Bill Peters hasn't been fired yet. I would imagine the reason that Bill Peters hasn't been fired yet is because Bill Peters' lawyers yeah. and the Calgary Flames lawyers are on the phone figuring out what his contract status is because there are contracts that no matter how locked tight they are, mm-hmm. if you poorly represent a team or misrepresent yourself in an interview, organizations do have cause to cancel your deal. Mm-hmm. And so Calgary could, it's been floated, could argue that because they didn't know about something like this happening, that the person's character was misrepresented, therefore they made an investment that mm-hmm. they were unaware of the full picture of. Interesting. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of legal things going on right now. So there. that is why yeah. he hasn't, that's why there's been no announcement about mm-hmm. this yet, because I can guarantee you in the back rooms they're figuring it out right now, and it's going to take a while. And you might say, well, Calgary should just fire him. Well, yeah, yes. and he's not behind the bench, so you know he's fired. Yeah. Do yeah. you think it's, he's getting back yeah, behind come that on. bench? It's and if he does, whoa! But it won't happen. We're gonna have another one of these. It's a yeah. bigger story if he is. Yeah, hundred percent. Way bigger. Um, I think, uh, I think it's just a matter of let the lawyers sort it out now, and they're going to come out with this when they can. They just can't make an announcement yet. There's nothing that they can say until it's signed. Perfect. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, are we are we done? Yeah. Do you want to do press conference or? Uh, no. There was uh two things. Oh, okay. Great. Um, one. Um, I can't wait until this episode is released and something else breaks. Yeah, what will break now? (laughs) That's one. Two, uh, Steve Dangle and I are going to be doing something this Saturday that I'd like to plug if I can. Plug it. Uh, On my Instagram channel, at jesse.blake, we will be sitting in between the benches for this Saturday's Hockey Night in Canada game. So, if you have a television or at the game... Wave at us. Look for Jesse in the back. top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are two seats in between the benches that uh, OLG has, and they give them away for contests. And then we're going to be sitting there promoting those seats. And then yeah, so it'll be cool. Watch us us on that uh, on that broadcast. Woo. Friends, friends, and Adam. on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Brought to you by Panago Pizza. Order at Panago.com and stuff your face with deliciousness. Connection complete.